if Man United were playing, you'd be like sitting here in your Man United jocks all week. Right. Not the fact right. that it's Man City about to do a treble, you are studiously ignoring it. Let's let's just call it. It's true. OTB AM live weekday mornings from seven thirty on the OTB Sports app. OTB's the hurling pod with Board Gosh Energy hurling. It's anyone's game. Welcome along to the latest live edition of the Hurling Pod. As Owen Cody said on the steps of the Hogan stand this evening, there's still plenty of hurling left in Leinster. You need to get the Mikey Butler counter on the ready after his goal today and a last gasp goal from Killian Buckley helping Kilkenny to break Galway's hearts in what was an absorbing Leinster decider at Croke Park. John Kiley has now managed Limerick in 12 provincial and national finals in his tenure to date. They've won all 12. Aaron Galan running riot as the treaty completed five in a row in the Munster Hurling Championship. But the big talking point after the Munster final, should Clare have had a free to send that game to extra time for the second year in a row? Two guys who have rushed home from Crow Park, and I'm incredibly impressed they're on the stream. Wasn't sure if this was actually going to happen about an hour ago. Paul Murphy, James Skell. I'm sure there are contrasting emotions, but you're both very welcome along tonight, lads. How's it going, lads? Great to be here. <laughs> You're in great form in the Crow Park Hotel before now, Skell. Let's sure, not forget it. Let's not forget it. I was enjoying the company and this was a great day and I, I was great very happy day, with the yeah. way things were going. You know, yeah. delighted with the way things were going. Good atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now, I feel like, did you ever see a dog kind of just kind of oh, on the lawn and then they get sick on the lawn? <laughs> like, what in the name? That's how I feel right now. I feel as ah. sick as a parrot or a dog. I, I don't know. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't know what I know the feeling. I know before we get into it, I remember being at Kilkenny and Wexford in 2004, I think oh, it was, yeah. and the block and the goal in and the final whistle. And it's like you don't even have enough time to digest it. Or, like, uh, to be honest, at the end of the Kilkenny game, I was kind of going, look, Galway kicking on by two points, momentum completely with Galway. And you felt that right, it's just about slipping here. So, like, I've been at the other side of it where you're jaded afterwards, going, how did that just happen? You know, so it's. Uh, oh. But isn't it unreal the way sport goes? Like, I went from literally. Double fist pumping, right? <laughs> to hands in the head. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Oh. It's amazing. And those points were going over, and like I was in the Hogan stand, and they were going over in the Cusick, and you're waiting, you hear the Galway roar on the far side for, let's say, Concannon's point or whatever, and you're going, Murph's been robbed by oh, the Jesus. Point. Is it gone? Oh, he no, he's back. Here you go. Go on, sorry, go again there. No, I was just saying, like, the points were going over there and, uh, like, they're going over on the, on the Cusick sand side and, like, the Galway crowd are cheering and you're going, oh, Jesus, this is slipping away from us. And the Galway roar was happening at that stage and, sure, like, all he could hear was a Kilkenny crowd shouting for a goal, go for goal, how that was going to happen during it, you know, because you knew Galway were going to sit back. So it nearly needed it to go to the corner. All the defenders get sucked over there and I, I kind of look... I, I, a freak, a freak, I suppose, clearance comes out then. It's not your normal incident, you know, so it's, um, yeah, mayhem, mayhem, a lot to unravel. It's Roy the Rover stuff if your team win. It's the ultimate signal mm-hmm. if your team lose. It's the contrasting emotions. And, like, before we get into it, Skell, and break it down in detail and look at the other game, like, two unbelievable finals that we had this afternoon. Like, you must have been mm-hmm. thinking when Galway got through that spell, I think it was one eleven to four points between minute yeah. 49 and effectively minute 75 with the way it went into injury time. Yeah. You're thinking Galway have done enough at that point. There's no way you can think that Kilkenny are going to conspire a score from there. Like, even when it looked like TJ was about to carry the ball over the sideline and then it looked like he was going over the end line he looked out in his feet somehow it gets recycled back and like Park Mannion will probably think why did I stick a boot on it not to allow someone else maybe to come in and clear the ball you're still thinking Killian Buckley's not going to put it in the net from there with literally one puck of the ball left yeah and I can see it's, it's very easy where I was now uh, in the Hogan stand it was, I was right in front of that corner where the bit of a 
uh, the the the, the if you want to call it, happened, and there was like there was seven or eight things you can pick out in that series or that passage of play over forty seconds, and it's easy for me to comment to say why didn't we do this, why didn't we do that, you know, but like it's just. Garage Mack goes for a swing, miss hits it, drops down. Then we drop a hurl, it's picked up, bats it over his head. You know what I mean? Then it falls, Porrick loses the hurl, he kicks it, Killing Buckley gets it, foul him, somebody foul him. And it seems like the ball just rolls into the net. And it's just, oh, it's sickening. In that instance, you're hoping just put the ball over the sideline, just kick it out, get get try get a, a, a dead phase of play, and then you can set yourself up, secure it. And I remember last year I was in the same position, and Kyle Hayes came back in the semi final versus Galway. And he came back right on the edge of the square after after playing centre forward full forward the day, and he he caught the last sixty five or free coming in. And I was just saying, pull back Joseph Cooney, pull back everybody for that last passage, and it didn't happen. And geez, I wouldn't even say we learned a lesson. We didn't. It was just it was just the cruelty of sport, you know. And it's a sickening one, right? But just we have to just swallow it, move on, and get ready for the next next one. Hmm. Um, I want to go back to a nice moment before the game in a second before we start bringing in the listener questions which are flying in on both Facebook and YouTube to the side of us at the moment but um, Tommy Walsh was saying after the game Paul that he was delighted that it was Killian Buckley he said one of the most professional players that have been on the Kilkenny panel in recent years you know maybe a bit of an unsung hero not a guy who's obviously associated with scoring goals but there he was to be the hero today yeah, completely. I mean, it was actually, I suppose when you've soldiered with these lads for so many years, um, you, you, you're, you're very close to, to, I suppose, the cold face of seeing what that player has gone through over the years. And like Killian, even from a young age, he had hip injuries and different things. Not to go too, back too far, Anthony, but, you know, throughout his career, he's been so yeah. consistent for Kilkenny. Um, he's played such a consistent role in and around between starting off and kind of half forward line, going to midfield, half back. And, you know, he's just not a player who puts his name out there, Anthony. He just goes about his business really, you know, diligently. And there's a great, there's just a great likeness about Killian Buckley, just our likability about him. Like he was captain of Kilkenny there one of the years and you couldn't pick a better fella really because he comes into training so early. Everything he does off the pitch is dedicated for, you know, getting him in the best shape to be on the field, his hurling, you know, his diet, his training, everything he does, it's it's to try and get on the pitch. The pitch. And like you see there, he starts on the bench today, comes in and has a huge impact. You know, he he fielded a few really high ball or great catches, drove the momentum, kind of drove the team forward from the half back line. And, you know, it didn't come in kind of as an experienced player and just kind of mope around or anything like that. He got to work straight away. And for so many days there, Killian has had tough days to get in there and, you know, to, to score that winning goal. Um, but he deserves it so much just through, for, for all his work over the years. And like Tommy was saying, like it just couldn't happen to a nicer fella. So look, for his moment there now to score the winning goal, I mean, great. I'm sure on Cody and TJ or let's say down the other end, Conor Whelan, these lads will have their days in future. But for to land Killian Buckley for a day like today, like it's a great little snapshot in time for him to look back on for the rest of his days. It's just, just a great moment for him. Yeah, really special moment for the two lads in the Crow Park Hotel before they even got to go to the game. Before they even got to go in and watch the Limerick and Clare game, they bumped into... A man of folklore on this hurling pod. Johnny Glynn, back to play for New York for the week. And look who the boys bump into. There he is, Johnny Glynn, with the lads before the game, Skell. You weren't able to tempt him to go back and play with Galway again, no? Well, I asked him, right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, I think he said he's going to transfer back to Ardrahan. Really? That's that's a huge plus for Ardrahan, to have someone like him to come back and play in their club championship. So mm-hmm. baby steps will baby steps. If we get him back to our drain, we get him in the county at least or the country. <laughs> we work from there. That's interesting. He looks in fair shape too, though. He looks in fair shape. Yeah, big yeah, man. Absolutely, yeah. So is, is he thinking of moving back to Ireland for a while? So 
Um, I won't go that far now. I think um, I think he, I think there was a year. I'm not sure what it was. It could be the year before last, whereby he actually commuted. Would you believe from New York back to play in the club championship? So you can imagine how difficult that was, John, on, on the body and the mind. So I don't know. Is he going to do repeating that, or is he going to uh, contemplate moving back um, full time? But um, yeah, it wouldn't be wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility for him to to commute again. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see if the if the commute maybe becomes a stay, and then we could potentially talk about uh, him playing for Galway again. So we might start off, lads, with the first game of the day. You guys were watching this before you went in to watch the Leinster final itself, and it's Limerick again becoming Munster champions. They've emulated the Cork team of the eighties uh, by winning five in a row. Came out in the end by one point, one twenty three to one twenty two. Uh, we'll get the reaction of both managers in a moment to the free that wasn't given at the end. Um, but that's now twenty four Munster titles picked up by Limerick five in as many seasons uh, with that one point win I mentioned at the outset this remarkable record they have under John Kiley when they get to finals and that's three league finals the four All-Irelands and the five Munsters since 2017 12 finals they've won all of them Um, there's something about a team Murph if they can do that and everyone's been making a lot of the very tight games that Limerick have won in the last two seasons particularly and if they keep on coming out on the right side of a result when a game is tight like that that probably tells you a lot about the character of a team well, that's it. Character is exactly the word. Um, at important times of the game, uh, Limerick asserted their dominance on the game. I'm thinking of big scores from like Cahill O'Neill and that. And like, you know, when me, when me and Skettle were watching it there, we were just looking going, just when you feel the momentum might go with Clare at the important stages of the game, because Clare did have their purple patches, but at the important stages, Limerick always just went up the other end and it was big players stepping up, getting big scores and you know, at stages they pushed it out to three points or four points. Clare brought them back, but they always knew how to grind out a score and just, I suppose, grind down Clare as well. Now, absolutely, there's a debate there to say that you know this game could have finished the draw at the end. Absolutely, but you know, in the in, when the finest of margins and the tightest of margins are at stake, it it is you know a testament to a really good, like a great team that they're able to find those margins and and, and put them on their side. You know, they're able to eke out, get that free, get that score, get that hooker a block. Um, and like, you know, during the week particularly, I was there like on Monday, as we said, I said, you know, I reckon Clare are going to potentially win it, knowing full well that by Tuesday morning, I was probably going to say in my head, oh no, Limerick are going to win this. But there was just something ringing in my head all week. And it was back to that message of, you know, there's a reason people are saying that you might beat Limerick once in the year, but it's very hard to beat them twice. And it's, it's a daunting task for a lot of teams. And it's simply because of that craft and that character that they have. And, you know, we saw today, we can debate it till the cows come home about the free and all these different things. But the one thing you can't deny is Limerick's ability when either the chips are down or when they really need to get a score, that they go and find it. Um, and that's, look, that is the testament of all the great teams, all the great teams of the years who have won All-Irelands or whatever it may be. That's been a, a trait that they have had. And look, this Limerick team, despite it all, has it in spades. And again, the, the other thing I'd say was, we talk about not having the depth. The likes of Cahill O'Neill has really flourished this year. You know, um, he's a player who's really stepped up and he was a player that was really important today at, at really important times. You look at Adam English coming in off the bench, came in for a blood sub for Darrow Donovan, got a big point. And he was only on for about 30 seconds, you know. So to have those players, to have that impact, um, it was huge. But to be fair to Claire down the other end, Ian Galvin came on and he had a great impact as well. But look, full credit to Limerick. You can't take it away from him. Just a great team. Yeah. I mean, look, Claire will probably, Scott, when they look back at it in the cold light of day, look at some of the wides, particularly when they were having some very good spells in the second half of that game. I know the narrative will all be about the free not given and we can talk about that in detail in a moment. But when the chances were there, they left a few of them behind them. I'm sure when they go back and do the video analysis, they'll be sick that they actually didn't convert some very good scoring chances. 
Yeah, like I suppose when you look at the statistics now, um, you know, it's, it's one of the few times you see Limerick actually being being uh, out outshot, if you know what I mean. Like I, I've stats here to say that I cleared forty four shots, which is an incredible amount of shots to get against a team like Limerick and Limerick at thirty six. And yes, people will, and the neutral and the clear people, maybe rightfully so, will look at the last twenty seconds and say there should have been a free in. But like more so, how to, to to make your team grow and to make your team prove, you can't really focus on that that potential free. You have to say. Like, how can we have shot so many whites? So, for Claire going forward, like, I, that was a cruel way to lose. We stopped putting up some comments, Will. Jesus, bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the background. Yeah. It's all about, you know, interaction. You know, people oh, are uh, now, good enough to come along to comment. We're talking about Claire Limerick. So, put out the Claire Limerick comments. Yeah. We can that later, right? Because I'm still, I'm still a bit fuming now. To be honest. I need to kind of calm down. As the same Shrek, as the same Shrek, I'm a donkey on the edge, okay? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, I had no intention of breaking your flow. I was just trying to get some of the early comments out there where guys were spotting the two E coming on. Oh, so by by all means, continue about where Claire actually outshot Limerick there. Yeah, like they did. And, and in fairness, there was opportunities that, that arose. And like I just think, uh, you know, Tony Kelly's one on the left-hand side that, that would have been a, a rousing score. And But in, in contrast to that, like I was absolutely amazed by Limerick's, how would you call it, um, their, the way their, their ability to get a tackle a hook, a block. Do you know when Clare looked like they were through, looked like they were going for a shot, a score. Just their t- their defence was 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 fabulous at times. And you know it's very hard to beat you know beat the king once. <laughs> if you come at the king again the second time, to say you best kill the king. And I just think when Limerick got into the groove there midway through the second half, opened up a three and four point lead. You know when you let a team like Limerick's caliber do that, to you, it's very hard to throw them back. They can just they, they just seem to have this knack or this ability, like you said in Will in finals, to keep enough distance between yourself and the opposition. You know. So, like, even though it felt like there was only a one-score game, which it was, but Limerick's defence, the scramble defence, is so good and so effective that you need to be tip-tapping draws point for point. You cannot allow them to get you a two and three and four ahead. And, uh, yeah, look, Clare ruined his chances. I know people in Clare will be emotional and they'll focus on the, the free that, got, that, um, that Liam didn't give, but I thought he gave them a good few soft frees, if I'm honest. I thought he gave Clare a few frees that maybe they weren't deserved. So, I think in the balance of the whole game, it evened itself out, and I just think Limerick were deserving winners, deserving winners in the day, excuse me. Yeah, the thing is, Murph, Limerick probably won this game in the third quarter. So Clare could have had two goals before halftime. Yeah. They got the one when it came back off the post, came back down and Mark Rogers put the ball uh, into the net past Nicky Quaid. Quaid saved the second chance, the one where Ryan Taylor had teed him up. That second goal goes in, potentially could have been six points, the difference at halftime. Uh, but Limerick came out really strong. Aaron Galan gets his goal. Again, maybe Galan is a little bit unlucky after Reedy plays him in and they almost get a second goal at that point. And then you've got Limerick get into a position as they're just kind of ticking along 119 to 114 up you kind of think Limerick are going to you know I won't say coast home but they're in a very comfortable position yet Clare left it remarkably nervy and as we said if they'd taken a few more of those chances Clare could well have won this game yeah they could have really um, but it's funny when I when I compare and contrast the two games like you're saying there but the goals Clare missed and okay they could have went in six points up at half time but if you look at Kilkenny when they went up by eight points um, at a really important stage of the game, the reaction of Galway then to come back, and I know we're going to stay talking about Limerick and Clare, but the reaction of Galway to come back, and once Galway got their goal then, even though they were five points down or four points down, whatever it was, you nearly felt the momentum was with them. Because like Tex Gettle saying, we need to get a score here because yeah. we need to kill your momentum. So I actually think that, you know, if Clare did get the score, you'd even see another big reaction from, from Limerick. And the funny thing is, when you're in the lead and a team comes back at you, like... it. Like it's it's a different feeling within a game when that starts to happen because that's a mental battle you're then fighting within the game. So I just thought today when you look at the two games and it was brilliant that we had such 
such action and such drama in both games. But I, I think the way Hurling has gone at the moment, like it, the old cliche of like that, you know, there's no safe lead in Hurling. I just think the calibre, the way teams are at the moment and the resilience a lot, so many of these good teams have, you could say, yeah, clear missed their chances and it would have kicked on, it would have been by six points. But I still don't think that means Limerick are out of the game. Absolutely not. And I'd even say the same that if, if Limerick kicked on, Maybe Clare's mental strength isn't as isn't as tough as Limerick because Limerick have been tested in the steel of all Ireland finals and different things more recently over the last few years. But it's amazing when you compare with Galway and Kilkenny that even though Galway went down by eight points, once they got their goal, the momentum was completely with them. So it's it's such a tough one to call this day these days with Hurland to say that you know if Clare, if 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 Clare did get those scores and of course they wanted them and if they had their time back they'd want to take them. It's hard to 100% say that, geez, that might have had them out of sight because it just, it's just not the case anymore. Because when teams come back at each other like a steam train, it's just, it's so tough. But absolutely, Claire will look back at the whole thing in general as a whole and say, the opportunities we missed, how come Limerick didn't miss them at the other end when they had their chances at really important times? I think that's the bigger question at last. Of course, the stats read for, you know, the amount of wides that Claire have. But Claire will still go back and look and say, you know, if you look back at Clare and Limerick when they played in the Gaelic grounds in the round-robin phase, it was Limerick that missed those. You know, you think of Tom Morrissey's few wides and it's it's nearly more the mental thing that that does. Yes, it's a score on the board, but it's the momentum that it builds into the team and the belief that it brings into the team. So I think Clare will look back at that and say, yeah, lads, look, I mean, these are simple scores. We're training in Ennis and we put them over the bar every day. But it's the mental belief it gives to a team when the, the game is in the jaws that they take their scores. So, um, look, absolutely, Clare will root. They'll root their chances, but that's the nature of it. Like, like Skettle was saying there, you get one chance, you don't take it, especially against Limerick, you're going to be punished. Yeah, um, very reasonable point here being made by Connor as well about the fact that the break is probably good for Limerick now that they sit until the semi-final. They've got a few lads who've got uh, strains and injuries at the moment that need to be right for the semi-final and that is a scary thought now that they can kind of work their way through and it's funny, that was my kind of first thought when the ball hit the net for Kilkenny at the end of the game was Kilkenny will probably be quite thankful of the break too with their injuries and also to avoid Limerick in the semi-final. There's still an advantage to be had uh, by winning a provincial championship. Um, I'm going to play what both the managers had to say about the free at the end because obviously this is becoming a big talking point and even just looking through the comments particularly on the YouTube at the moment it tends to be well Clare should have had a free but they got a few soft frees earlier in the game maybe it balanced out um, also some people arguing that Tony Kelly had kind of um, forward charged and maybe that's why it wasn't given as a free I look I thought there was two free instance um, after the game got restarted it was kind of a, a crazy finish to the game but this is what um, Brian Lone first of all had to say about the fact that his team weren't given a free to equalise at the end. You know, we were anxious to get our quick buck out, out and uh, we got it out, um, but the referee pulled it back. Um, so then the, the, the crowd figured that it was um, that it was over, and um, but it wasn't. There was another 30 seconds left. So um, look, got the crowd back off the field and played the last 30 seconds, and uh, we didn't manage to score. You played the last 30 seconds and maybe unlucky not to get a free. Yeah. Yeah, we find it very hard to get those kind of frees. Um, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's disappointing. Is it frustrating? Obviously, a lot goes in. It comes down to fine margins always, especially in these type of games, that not getting those decisions. Yeah, sure. Look, um, uh, what can you say? You know, um, yeah, it's frustrating. We'd have loved to have got a free, but we didn't. 
Okay, so that was Brian Lone. And Brian Lone did say to the print media as well that he felt that uh, some teams maybe get freeze a little bit easier than his side. And John Kiley responded after the interview from Brian Lone. This is what he had to say about uh, the suggestion that Clare should have had a free at the end. Yeah, but these things happen, you know, Ashling. I don't know whether it was or wasn't a free. You know, you know I saw the incident. To me, it wasn't personally. At the time, that was my, my call on it. But, you know, these things happen. You know, in, in 2019, we could have had a 65. We could have had a line ball. We could have had lots of things. You know, it didn't go away. You know, and they'll know that as well. And, they, you know, they're, they're a strong outfit. They're very resilient. I've no doubt that we're going to see lots more of them before the year's out. And Limerick have bigger things to come than the end of the championship. Championship, you hope? Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're going to take a break this week anyway. And <laughs> we have the four weeks now to get ourselves organised for the semi final. We've done it before. We have our routine. Everybody knows inside that dressing room what we're going to do for the next four weeks. It's just about going, going doing it now. Right, lads, what's your take on it? To me, I see two fouls in there that should have been given. Murph, you first. Was it a free? Yeah, it was a free. It was a free. Um, and you can you can kind of, from a neutral point of view, you can kind of speak from both sides here. I agree with John Kiley also. It, it, it happens. You know, it, it does happen. When it's when it's at this stage of the game, uh, not to say it's tough on referees, but like those frees were probably missed in other parts of the game. A bit more blatant there towards the end, but they were letting stuff go during the game. And there was probably, you know, five or six other frees that were let off during the game. When it comes to the end like that, absolutely, Claire can feel aggrieved that it was a free um, but it's you know I, I I do I do kind of agree with John Kiley there to say that these things do happen at the moment. That's just the structure we have in the GA. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. He pointed exactly to when they played us in 2019. You know probably a 65. You know and and they didn't get the break that day. When we go back and we play Limerick in 2018 and Turles, John Donnelly was foul going through Limerick bringing the ball down the other end and score a point. We're out. They go on to win the All Ireland. Um, it's tough to swallow and there'll be no consolation to clear this evening. But does it stand to Clare more going forward to feel sorry for themselves that they didn't get the free at the end or look at the misses they hit during the game, which completely negates any free at the end if they, if they actually score them? You know, I think from a point of view now, they'll definitely be sore tomorrow and you can feel aggrieved and that feeling aggrieved is OK. Like, that's absolutely fine. But nothing's going to change now. So going forward, you just have to realise, well, you know, maybe we put control and power in our own hands by going out and maybe use that as fuel and use it as fire that the game doesn't come down to a free uh, or that you need a free at the end uh, look like I said it's going to be tough pills to swallow for the tipper or for the player players this evening and for Brian Lowen and uh, you know I admire Brian Lowen for his honesty also in his interview because he wears his heart in a sleeve you know and he says things that other managers probably won't say because they feel that at times that maybe it'll come back to bite him in the arse if he, if he does say it but Brian Lowen has been very genuine that way but, <clears throat> but like I said I can see it from both sides. I bottom line is it was a free, absolutely. Um, but as John Kiley says, look, it happens in the game. It's it's unfortunate. It's part of the drama. It happens. But Clare should have got a free at the end, and that's just the nature of it. Two parts for you, Skell. The first one is should Clare have had a free? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's, it can be argued. I think if that happens in the first minute, thirty first, sixty first, I think that that's uh, probably free. And probably the other character to go along with Peter Casey. And, and then when the play develops a bit more, I think it's the second free. You know, so it's that, that's a tough pill to swallow. So, what can they do? Because like, it's it's easy to be the overriding sense of frustration is what will take over clear at the moment because because like, they were entitled to a free. And you know, granted, we can speak about missed chances and we can speak about you know incidents that earlier on in the game, etc. Shooting, you name it, right? But your focus your focus will go on to that on that incident, and they, they they'll feel aggrieved. They'll feel you know. That there was no justice, etc. However, it's still I would I'd be catching that instant and moving it aside because you can't control mm. that. Like all yeah. you can control now is what's in front of you. So like when they go back training 
next week next week they can control that free instance they can control their shooting they can control some of their, their, their passing they can control uh, they should have had one three extra like there was a couple of as I said Taylor uh, David Fitz had one you know Tony Kelly had one um, you know it's, it's points that were were, were were I would say call them stone cold opportunities for points that wouldn't have had that we wouldn't even talk about instance then if that was the case right and then also I think Brian Lohan and I'm a big fan of Brian Lohan I really am you know I, I like what he's about I like his character I like his persona but like he needed to make a really big change to have for back in there way earlier like we yeah. we haven't really seen Galan I think well in my opinion I haven't really seen Galan come to light in this championship yet I haven't seen him being nowhere near as effective in the, the games previous as he was today and like you're putting a new guy, I suppose I wouldn't call him a rookie, but you know what I'm trying to say. A rookie of this year's championship in on top of him, and like he got skinned, that he got skinned, and he should have been he should have been moved way earlier, way earlier. So I think sometimes I think like I know Brian is focusing on instance and whatnot, but like they should they as management should have protected the young fella a bit faster and got got a change on Galan straight away to stop him basically stop the rot because he was he was doing a huge amount of damage to Clare there in the second half specifically. So, look, I think there's work-ons for everyone, both on and off the pitch in Clare. And I don't think they're in a bad spot, Les. Like, in fairness, you know, if I was to probably call it here now, I think, but the way the run's going to go, so they have uh, they have Dublin next, correct? If Dublin beat Carlo, yeah. If Dublin, sorry, excuse me, I'm, I'm making, a, a, I suppose, an assumption. I'm assumption happy, yeah, yeah. They, they, they have Dublin next, and then they, they go to Kilkenny again in, second, in the uh, repeat last year semi-final. Would that be it? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I think the way Clare... Again, all due respect, they should come through Dublin with the quality squad they have, and then they're, then they're licking their lips to get Kenny again. So, like, all's not lost. Yes, they haven't won a Munster final. Yes, it's been 25 years, and the way it continues. And, like, I saw a statistic today on, on Twitter, and I don't know who put it up, so excuse me, but, like, Sherlock Nan is the last manager to win a Munster final here since 1932. Like, that is mad. <laughs> that's what I've, that's what I had today. Like, was it 1932? Was it Munster or, or, or Ireland? Must, no, it, has to, it has to be Munster because Lucknan would have won Munsters in 95, 95. But since, since Lucknan he's, he's the last man since 1932 I can't believe that for a, a, a rich hurling county is clear so you know I know for Munster and like we know Munster's like a religion down there that you want to win every competition or every game that comes up so 25 years the way continues but still there are serious contenders in Ireland so all is not lost Okay, well, Murph, you keep it under your hat at the moment what you think about whether they should have been ruthless and moved uh, Keane Nolan given that Galan was doing as well as he was. The other one I want to ask you about, Skelly, in the closing stages, like, uh, because the fact that the fans thought it was all over and the kids were on the pitch and celebrating after the Willow Dunahoo shot and Eva Quilligan is trying to get the ball out and is trying to get set for a short puck out to try and uh, get a score, I can't imagine that was easy for him to have that stoppage People still getting off the pitch just as he was about to puck it out the second time. Yeah, but sure, it's frustration because I, if I'm in his position, like we're a point down, like you know, we want the game to get on as quick as possible. Because you, don't get me wrong, you have one eye on the clock as well, Will, and you know the time is ticking. I think when that wide went went on, I think time is up. Would I be right in saying that? It, it was, was, it was a few. It was a few seconds over even at that point. Yeah. So like you're saying to yourself, I've only got one more shot here. I've only got one more puck, and I have to find this right. And so when people coming on over over the hoarding. And first of all, how they get in is a different story, right? Because usually the stewards line their positions there. So that's a that's a work on, you could say, for the Gaelic grounds. But for that to happen and, you know, I suppose there was discontent. There was all, it was, it was, all, it was manic. It was pandemonium for about 60 seconds. Um, it does mess with you kind of mentally that you have to reset yourself, take yourself out of game mode for 60 seconds and put yourself back into it. And then when you're back into game mode, you've got a critical passage of play to, to, to commence or to execute. So I like for, for for them to get the ball down into the zone that they got it on was was well worked by Eva. Um but yeah, that's not ideal as and that shouldn't happen in a in a in a, in a, in a monster final. 
Hmm. Um, Paul Murphy didn't get skinned too many times during his career, but he can give us his opinion on whether a ruthless streak was needed here because Aaron Galan ended up <coughs> with one eleven, one goal and three of that coming from play, and he was hugely influential man of the match uh, during the game. Uh, Keen Nolan obviously got the marking detail on him, and they've surely known for a couple of weeks that Cleary wasn't going to be able to start. I know the loan said after the game that they gave him right up until Thursday, but because his shoulder had popped, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. there was no way he was going to be back in time. So you had to be thinking about options to come in there and you knew that Galan was going to be in around the square it seems like Sena Mori comes on I think midway through the second half after a time when Galan has done serious damage just before the change is made should the Clare management have made the change a bit earlier? Yeah, possibly so, yeah. Like, it takes big calls during the game. It's easy to look back now, but um, like we, when we were watching it there, it was became very evident, just the space as well. Now, that's nearly a secondary thing afterwards, the space that was coming out in front of Galan. Like, that's what Galan thrives off, because if that space is in front of Galan, he'll operate there all day. And he's very... He's very um, deceptively fast like you know you look at him and it looks like he's just cruising but he's he's light and fast and another thing he does as well is that if you you could stand in close to Galan in a radius where you would block him or another player you'd block another player but he leans back it's nearly like he's using a lob wedge he leans back and he pops the ball up into the air so it's actually further away from you to block so you need to be that bit closer and the thing is with, with Galan you get even closer to him again sometimes he, he goes okay if he doesn't like how close you are to him he'll actually go in behind you and drag you back in so he'll stay in behind and we've saw Galan over the last few years whereby he, he does that he goes in behind and he catches balls over lads the best defenders catches balls over him creates scores get goals and he, he, he'll play it both ways but certainly Clare should, should have made the change and it's a tough call but we've seen Lowen make those calls you know he took off Hayes there was it last year he took him off after 25-30 minutes you know makes the big calls Look, we don't know. We don't know what's going on in training. If that, you know, maybe Nolan was the right lad for it, that he was flying it in training, and maybe they just accepted that Gillan was just firing on all cinders, and maybe they saw fires to be put out in other way, other places on the pitch, and um, maybe they didn't feel someone had the pace to match Nolan's to match Gillan's. Let's say that he was the fastest player to have, but look, um, Gillan was running right, and you, you'd kind of have to think that. Um, certainly would have tried something else maybe something with a bit of phys- physicality step in beside him and I'm right in saying Nolan got a yellow card at what stage did Nolan get a yellow card I'm right in saying I think he did get one yeah he got booked yeah. yeah so like I mean even that as well is something to think about when you have a defender on him because that can, can dilute uh, a, a defender's aggression at times when you're aware that we saw a week ago, was it two weeks ago, Galan winning the penalty. He knows if a fella's on a yellow card, he will make you work hard for it. So potentially putting a fella with a clean slate on him is also another thing because mentally as a defender, that can be tough when you know. Like I've marked Conor Whelan, I got sent off one day. It was only sending off I got with Kilkenny was, I marked Conor Whelan and I got a yellow card early on because one of the lads left his man. I ran through and tackled Jason Flynn because it was a goal scoring chance, yellow card. And straight away I'm going, I'm on Conor Whelan, one of the most physical players and I have a yellow card and it kind of makes you nearly step half a yard because, you know, if he gets running into you, it's a very tough decision for a referee. So for a clear point of view, that's something to be aware of. When you see your defenders with a yellow card and they're marking one of the most dangerous forwards in the country, you'd be kind of thinking even from that point of view, let's make a swap here. Mm. One of those what ifs there from Danny McWan. If the game had been played at Parky Cueve, Clare would have probably got the free. It is difficult to get a free when you're in front of a partisan enough crowd. And even though there was um, a swathe of uh, yellow and blue in the crowd from Clare, like Limerick still had a massive support there. And when the game was in the melting pot, uh, maybe they would have got that decision uh, away from the, home, I suppose, in Limerick. Can I ask, Will, uh, now we couldn't hear rightly with the volume. Was it 50 50 crowd wise? Or 
Was it slightly um, limerick? I'd say maybe slightly limerick, but not not like definitely there were big sections of uh, partisan support from both teams there. Like, there's plenty of people who were there at the game who uh, can maybe uh, throw us in what their experience was, but that's what it looked like from the TV at least anyway. Um, I did enjoy this one, by the way, and we'll stick in the game in a second, but coming in from Dennis Collins on Facebook. Uh, enjoy the show from New Jersey every week, lads. How did Donkey on the Edge, which was Scale's <laughs> own title for himself, get from Dublin so fast? It was a tough ending, to be fair, Limerick Aboo. I didn't expect you to be here, Scal, to be honest, because first of all, <laughs> myself and Murph hadn't heard anything from you since full time, which is understandable. But then I kind of thought there's no way he's making it back to East Galway in a couple of hours from Crow Park. Um, how do I answer this question? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as, your, uh, as your lawyer here, I would say that you obeyed all speed laws on the way home. Gareth Scott. There you go. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Is, is, the, is the barrier still standing on that toll bridge about five miles down from your house, or is there I, one one to be fixed I, tomorrow morning? I was like that scene in Gone in sixty seconds. I flew out over. <laughs> <laughs> you threw two euro out the window as you're going down. Yeah, well, I flew out over. Look, I, I had a heavily pregnant wife, as I had to get her home. That's, that was my only my only uh, my, my my only thought process there was to get her home. Bloody hell! Right. Um, I think fairs, got, we, we got in. Will we got in up the stairs, turned the laptop, sat down, and next thing, boom, your two faces there. So I made it in the nick of time. <laughs> no, no, you did. You did very well. I really, really, really wasn't expecting it. So, um, yeah, let's talk about Kelly charging. There's obviously a debate that's going on here now. How could he be charging if he didn't even have the ball? Limerick tried uh, to knock his head off his shoulders. Look, I, look again. I think the contact is on Kelly. I think, I think this is a free. I'm not. It's uh, not a charge. That's, his head is down. Right. A charge to me is when your head is up. You, you assess the situation, look at your opposition and put the head down and go through him. Kelly's head is down, can't see where he's going, looks to get up and is fouled. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. That's simple. Even uh, the still images, the slow-mo, like, even it proves that. Yeah. So I move on. Um, <laughs> I, I know this is going to... That's it, Will. <laughs> move River on. River Power. Leinster lads so desperate for a good game in Leinster, they think that was a classic. It was a good game, but it wasn't great by any means. Lads in acres space tapping over points. Do you, Murph, do you want to respond to that? River Power is a tip fan, I think. I think it, that that has a tinge of insecurity about it from the Munster side that there was such an exciting game in, in Leinster. Um, no, it was great. It was a really good game. It was, it was a great game. Yeah, there was bits of open defending and stuff. But like, I mean, there was parts of the game where I actually was making notes in the programme. One of them I said was there was great high feeling during the game, which um, doesn't play into the what we'd normally say at the moment with possession-based game and players popping the ball 30 yards and stuff. But I'm thinking of instance there, Hugh Lawler came out with a great ball. Dahi Burke made one or two big catches in the first half. Um, uh, Blanchfield then as well. Blanchfield made two big ones in the second half. So well, on both ends, there was great high fielding. There was great tackling, great hooks and blocks at important times. Like you you, you think of Park Welch going in for a point there at the end, which would have, I think, drawn at level. And then Galway go up the far end and get up, get, Concanon gets the point. Um, great block there. I, I don't even know who it was. I think it would have been Finton Burke. There was great bits of skill during the game. Um, and a, like, okay it wasn't nip and tuck at times till Kenny pushed it out by eight points but um, very exciting game and there was great atmosphere at it well, as well now I did see people speaking on Twitter as well I think I saw um, Brian Carroll and even uh, Eddie Brennan saying on Twitter that you know it was a great atmosphere but it would have been great, better atmosphere again of course if it was in somewhere like Tullamore or somewhere absolutely mm-hmm. but it was great There's been, there has been Leinster finals there even particularly last year where it wasn't much of an atmosphere and um, wasn't much of a cut to it but uh, no, it was it was a really good game, and like I mean that finish, you can't make it up, you can't write it. It's just the way it is. It's heartbreaking stuff in one end, and it's euphoria at the other end. It was a great game. 
Yeah, you kind of touched this a little bit already, Murph, but this came in from Andreas Corcoran. Ask Murph how much a yellow card can take away a defender's aggression and risk taking away. Uh, speaking here about the yellow card that Nolan got, you kind of touched on this already, but like, mm-hmm. is it always playing on your mind if you've got a yellow card, particularly if you're booked, I'm assuming, early in the game, you're always worried that a knockier's tackle could see you get the line? Not necessarily. Like, I would find the only scenario, it, it, particularly as a full-back, if a half-back gets a yellow card, they're not too worried, but a full-back line gets a yellow card, you kind of think about it because... If there's space in front of you, it's dangerous because it, when there is space in front of you, it's tough to, like, you have to kind of stick with your man but go with him. Whereas when, when the half-back line sit back, it allows you to play from the front a little bit more, ironically enough. So when you're allowed to play from the front, it's back in your hands then where you can actually go and take on the ball. And you want to be in front because then you're not going to foul your man. You want to be in front. You want to be dictating. But it's tough when your half-back line is getting dragged out. There's acres of space. And now the forward can dictate to the players out the field where he wants the ball played into. And you're playing second fiddle the whole time. That's when it's very dangerous. And it's it's tough then that if you do have that space in front of you and you're, now you're on a yellow, you're then looking up the field going, I need my half-back line to sit back here because I... I have to play a second fiddle to this player because they're dictating the game to me now. And that's the, that's the danger of where you get lured into, let's say you're on Conor Whelan. Conor Whelan dictates out to the side, ball pops into his hand. And if he goes to take you on, you have to keep your arms clean. You have to keep him away from him, can't get wrapped up. If he leans into you, you kind of have to step back a small bit while trying to maintain a bit of contact. Just makes the job very tough. Um, but I would say more specifically, that's for the full back line. Half back lines, you know, just get on with it if they're on the yellow card. Yeah, um, quite a few. Uh, this is an interesting one which came up from uh, Patrick Coleman here, which you can take, uh, Skell, which is that, lads, which is worse, the way the Clare lost the Munster final last year or Galway's lost today? Will it affect Galway in the same way as it affected Clare last season? Um, I, think I guess the psychological impact of coming off that defeat and then maybe not performing in the way that would have been expected against Kilkenny. Like, is there any risk that yeah. Galway carries some kind of psychological damage into potentially playing tip in a couple of weeks? I don't think so. I, th- I think, truthfully speaking, I think when Galway will assess this game, they'll obviously look at the couple of proper patches that Kikini had and say that that even Galway were, were major facilitators of their own downfall, to be fair. Um, for example, like the short book out in the second half, that, that was a major concern for us because we didn't look like we knew what to do with the second phase of the ball, etc. And even at the end, when, when Killian got the goal, that, that looked like a controllable situation that we can learn from. Like, we can just say, put it out over the line. You know, you, you can make adjustments to that. Whereas Clare last year, I felt like Clare literally caught absolutely everything and threw that Limerick and still came up short. Granted, mm-hmm. they got great plaudits and it was only treated like a, as, as a moral victory because they were probably the only team that came, came within within a whisker of, of Limerick. They threw everything at them, almost had them, but didn't get them. Whereas Galway, you know, like I say, went down like eight points at one stage, clawed their way back and got two points ahead. That that can only be done through really good work. And they didn't close it out. And I think the reason they didn't close it out was, was, was uh, obviously the issue at the end, but it was within their own control. So psychologically, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think there'll be more frustration. Anthony, I think as a as a goalkeeper in defensive unit, they'll be hugely frustrated with the way they they dealt, or sorry, didn't deal with the ball because they, they had numerous opportunities in that phase to get rid of it, and they just have to pick it up and go again. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's frustrating. I don't think it's it's not psychologically damaging, but it's just frustrating. I think if you were to go back and look at a game like Tipperary when they played Limerick in the in the Munster final a couple of years ago when they were six or seven points up at halftime, and Limerick clawed them back, that's psychologically damaging because you just got overran. Whereas in this instance, Galway just made a boo-boo at the end and, and paid the price. So mm. now they have a tough task. Like, obviously, the route to the final, obviously the, the prize today is the Leinster, Leinster Championship grant. But they also would have got maybe three or four weeks, four, I think it's four weeks off, they would have got 
rest and recuperation and then have a team come at you. Whereas now we've probably to go through the likes of Tipperary and go through the likes of Limerick. That is a, that's a tough one. If we come through the South Ireland and win it, by geez, we'll have earned it. <laughs> Simple as that. Jeez, <laughs> we'll have earned it. This, know, this, one is for you, this one is for you, Murph, given, you know, we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but the defenders won here because this brings us around to Mikey Butler reference number two, which is going to be brought up by me. Uh, but Shane Power, what is it with defenders being able to finish like a prime Brazilian Ronaldo? Dahi Burke against <laughs> Dublin and today Mikey Butler with an unbelievable finish. So, yeah, first ever championship goal for Mikey Butler and he finished that like the best corner forward you're ever going to see burn in and goal. Yeah, and like if you think about it, Killian Buckley out and out defender, and you know, the two things you'd say about it was they stuck it into the ground. That's where you're meant to go. Like when we were watching Limerick and Clare, was it Rogers went through? Where did he hit it? Head height at Nicky Quaid, and I turned to Scale straight away. I said, "What did you make of that one?" He said, "What did he do that for? Why did he hit it that height at him?" And if you look at Mikey Butler going through, like if you're a defender, like granted, you might think defenders don't think about this a whole lot, but defenders. Let's say if Mikey Butler was defending against that, he's running going, most likely, the best chance I have here is if a forward hits it hip height or goes for top corner, I'm going to go try and block it up mid-height. So Mikey Butler's running through. Granted, he hadn't a whole lot of time to think about it, but I'm sure what was in his head is that if I'm a defender coming in, defending myself here, I'd be blocking hip height, chest height, head height, going in somewhere there, hoping that the ball goes through there. And he just stuck it into the ground. Now, granted, he buried it in the bottom corner, but... um, you know, like, I mean, defenders don't see themselves in that opportunity so often. But you look at Dahi Burke as well, it's maybe because they don't think about it a whole lot. They're just true and they go, do you know what, I'm having a shot here. Whereas maybe sometimes a forward can overthink it and maybe tries too hard to stick it in top corner, stick it in the roof of the net when yeah. just make it hit the back of the net. And yeah. like we saw, we see people there even saying about should should uh, Buckley's goal have been saved. Buckley gave it the best chance he could by bouncing it into the ground straight away because... Uh, at that stage, then the keeper only has a chance to see a flick of a ball coming through. Whereas if Buckley hits that a flat strike, if the keeper sees that coming off the hurl, he knows there's a fair idea where that ball is going to go. But striking it into the ground, it could come through anywhere from ankle height up to chest height by the time it hits the net. So it's um, it was just it was very clever finishes. But it's it's a fair point. Uh, the defenders have scored good goals so far this year. Yeah, I mean, should the Buckley shot have been saved, Skell, or is it a case of that ball has come through? quite a few bodies and it's probably very difficult to see until the last second what's your take on it? I suppose I'd say from where I saw it it looked like the ball was travelling at a slow speed which it was it was more placement than actually power um, but I've been in that situation where you're actually you're actually sidestepping back and forth on the line to get a good view of it and in fairness like you don't know until the shot's taken where he's putting it is he putting it across your body where you think he's, his natural instinct would go or is he putting down the line into, into the, the bottom corner and like I was caught myself a few years ago against Cork whereby I think it was Harkin got one long free came in hip and bodies couldn't see it and then the last second I saw it it was literally three, two or three foot from the line went to get his goal when I watched him back on television I went jeez that's a terrible goal to concede because it looked like he was crawling in but in real time I just couldn't see it through legs through bodies and like everything is everything in front of you is not static everything in front of you is moving so if things are moving you're trying to move with it and then someone makes another movement and you're trying to go again and next thing you know it's shot in the goal. Yeah. It's just the nature of the position, lads. Like, if Killian was one on one with Owen there, or, or with, uh, with Anne, yeah. excuse me, yeah. and nobody's in front of him, then I'd say something because yeah. he had 14, 15 yards to make a save. Uh, I do say, though, that with all the bodies in front of him, it's very hard for a keeper to make adjustments. You know, yeah. put it this way, it wasn't the worst goal we conceded throughout the day, if you ask me. Yeah. What was the worst one? I was very disappointed with the with the Mikey Butler one. There's two goals, right? So, the the the, the the Wally Walsh one, I'd be very disappointed with how we defended the high ball. And the Mikey Butler one, no one tracked him. No one tracked him. Like, I, he was allowed to come in and I was watching the forward uh, when Mikey Butler was making the run 
and he just kind of was jogging back and next thing Michael gets on, Michael gets onto it. That's a terrible goal, goal to concede because that, that just puts all into question your, your defensive setup and maybe your attitude and work rate at all, small touch. Because it's a nice catch, Skellen. There's a nice one-two to open yeah. it up to Butler to get the run, but how does he end up with about 20 yards of space directly in front of him? Because our, cause what happens if you if you look at the run again, right? I, I can't remember the Kenny forward that was moving. Now I'm look, this is from behind the goal, right? In the direction Mikey's running towards. I can't remember the Kenny forward that was moving to the left. I think he brought Dahi or someone with him. It opened mm. a bit of space, and then you can see the our forward behind him just jogging back. Next thing, Mikey's by himself. And what's happened is the Kikini forwards are very smart. Never run towards the man, run away from the man, and pull the defender with you. Because the defender has got a woeful decision to make. Yeah. And even when Mikey came in, he actually dummied the hand pass. And I, I can't remember, was it G-Mac or Darren Morris or someone actually hesitated just for a moment? Because obviously they were pro- probably ex- expecting a hand pass, and then Mikey gets it and puts it in. Great finish from the defender. But that, that disappointed me because it was just, it's simply down to a work rate situation. I put it this way, if that was Limerick, you'd have two or three lads back there. Hmm. You know, uh, but alas, here we are. Yeah. Um, Ronan C, probably wondering what many of us were doing at the same time. Is it bad that as a Kilkenny man, when Mikey Butler drives up the field for that goal, my first thought is of <laughs> I'm not joking, lads. I, I, I said to you, I nearly spat out my chips. I went as soon as I saw it I said I can't believe this and even Grace hits me elbow and she goes is that the guy Paul's always on about I said yes it is <laughs> so I said like here we are and was I telling oh, you you got, got some new artwork inside in the house as well was I saying that to you that's a small bit of artwork there behind me <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent you the photo of, uh, of Mikey Butler celebrating you can get a frame to get it in the background for I'm, it I'm, I might get this one moved and get the yeah get the framed one of him celebrating that might do the job for me now it's grand to look at for the breakfast in the morning I might get one now that also says Killian Buckley and Mossy Kyo and, <laughs> and, and who's the other one Wally sorry Scott, I'm sorry Oh, you're very. I'm sure you're very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, to be honest, I couldn't believe it was him. Like when the ball broke, and I, I saw, yeah. I saw it was Butler, and I went, "There's no way he's taking this on. He's shortening the grip and tapping this over." Yeah. And then next thing, I'm like, "There is only one thing in his mind, and he is just going for goal." Yeah, and a yeah. perfect, fi- perfect finish across goal. Like Skell, when we talk about goalkeepers trying to save them, like it's nigh impossible to save what Butler did there. He puts it right across goal into the bottom corner. Like Ana Murphy's no chance. No chance, but two things as well, you see. When you look at the conditions of today um, in Crow Park, it's a hard sod. So when you, when you put the ball into the ground there, you actually can't read it. You can't read it. Is it going to come up? Is it going to go down? But what it will do is it'll pick up actually a bit of pace. You mightn't think it will, but it actually will. It'll yeah. take off the ground and pick up pace. And that's why it's, two, it's two, very, two, two things very hard to do. Number one is judge the flight of the ball, and number two, judge the pace of it. So if you're moving in there, and even more fight, I think it was mm. the Galan that was running through in the second half, and he hit it off his right high. Mm. Like yeah, that, that, that's a very, that's a very, very poor, poor finish for a man of his caliber. Like if he's that low, yeah. chances increase dramatically that it's, that it's going to be a goal. And like he should know as well because I think Owen Murphy himself pulled off a couple of saves. It could be seventeen or eighteen. I can't remember the year where Galan hit him very, very high. Yeah, yeah. And like if if he puts him on the, on the ground, that's two goals for for Aaron mm. Galan and the same same today. But he has a habit of that though. But like mm. yeah, great. I think Kenny's finishing today across the four goals was excellent. Um, mm. Because like Massey got in, Wally hit the ball on the deck, uh, Mikey on the deck, and Killian Buckley on the deck. Really, good. and then Connor Whelan on the deck, and Jason Flynn. Did Jason Flynn go on the deck? I don't. I can't. Did yeah, yeah. Jason Flynn's did yeah. Kind of Owen Murphy was falling away from it, wasn't that the one? Yeah, and like case in point, you look at the shots that were saved today. We're talking about Glenn's shot on Quilligan saved high level. Yeah. We're talking about uh, somebody took one on Ana Murphy today. I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was. Up on the Hill 16 side, high level, easy save to make. Like their save is keepers going to make all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put it on the deck. 
Yeah, I, I presume uh, Scooby D is asking about did Dermot Burns not score today? He didn't because we were all checking our fancy hurling team earlier on. He had a free that he pulled at one point and then Galan was hitting the freeze reasonably well <laughs> so Galan stayed on the freeze but still Limerick left a few frees behind them today. Maybe that's one of those kind of small chinks in the armour maybe. You're, you're reaching for the smallest thing possible when it comes to Limerick maybe being um, slightly off but there you go. Um, this is uh, Dante saying that the tickets were split uh, 50-50. Yep, I mean th- there was a massive clear crowd in there as well and uh, it couldn't have been a partisan crowd so there you go pretty much 50-50 James Coughlin um, staying the same uh, so maybe the Porky Queef point doesn't hold anything when it comes to uh, that free as well Skell must have left early I don't think he did and the Burke I did not a terrible 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 accusation to uh, to make there as well and you would imagine from the lads that all around the GA the Rory Hayes would have had the pace to take Galan do you want to take that question Murph would Rory Hayes have been the ideal guy to have on him yeah possibly um, possibly yeah. but I suppose Rory Hayes has had a bit of a checker past times a brilliant defender at times absolutely but um, like I said, it was last year, wasn't it? Uh, Munster final was it potentially where he was taken off after about 30 minutes and Lohan took him off. So like there, uh, it, it potentially just says to me there that there's something that Lohan has seen in training that, yeah, obviously excellent defender at times, but um, maybe Nolan had just showed a bit more. I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't seen enough of him to figure it out, but um, like it's the whole thing of hindsight's a brilliant thing. Like, you know, you probably nearly try anybody at this stage just to change it around because you saw how it went. But at the time... You know, I don't know. I don't know. Is there enough in it to say that Rory Hayes was the man for it either? Hmm. Um, two points made about Paul Murphy in the last couple of moments that I've picked out here. Uh, firstly, Richard Carl. Paul Murphy is a saucy sevens hurler. Claire, we're absolutely robbed. Uh, take the first part only. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you a, are you a saucy sevens hurler? Let's go on, Richard Carroll. This is a man from Carrick Swan down below in uh, Carrick and Shore. Uh, play seven aside, so the Defence Forces has a hurling tournament every year. There's one competition, oh. eleven side, one sevens, and I was in the sevens this year. So the sevens would be the second, uh, the second. Um, what would you call it? Division of it, I suppose. So uh, I was playing full forward on the seven aside team for. Uh, Defence Force Training Centre in HQ. So, uh, yeah, I was saucy. Boy, bomber boy. Bomber Tell you thing. I was landing balls down on top of me and I was catching it and getting flaked by fellas from the Air Corps and from all different places. <laughs> it got uh, got fairly heated now at times, but good crack. I think actually Ray Milani was on the goal, actually, for right. the game. The Air yeah. Corps, those pesky Air Corps boys. <laughs> high balls coming down, the Air Corps don't like the high balls coming down. <laughs> I, can picture, I can picture, like, in America, you see those baseball games between the, between the police force and the firefighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our army. I do actually get fiery enough because I used to be in the barracks in Kilkenny, and Kilkenny barracks would have a lot. Like, I mean, at one one year um, inside in the barracks, we had uh, myself, Aid McCormack of Turla Sars, Larkin, Stephen Malumphy, Richie Reid, Colin Fenley. Like, there was, and that was, that was, imagine a small side tournament inside in the army. Like, I mean, it was, it was serious enough stuff. But I was playing against Kilkenny this year. So there was a few boys there now. There's a lad, Johnny Fanan, uh, up from Clock Balacala. And I tell you one thing, he was absolutely lacing me. So, uh, <laughs> Ash, look, all in good spirit. All in good spirit, Yeah, I'm sure you took it too. I'm sure you took it. Was it. Actually, it was played up in, uh, played up in Ormore. Or Renmore. Renmore, yeah. Renmore, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Grand Rock hard. Rock hard. Yeah. Uh, you can defend yourself on this one as well. Mm. Kieran Fahey. Lads, in 2014, did Kilkenny rob tip of an All-Ireland when Paul Murphy fouled? Uh, penalty far out, fair distance, and missed it. Not sure about the second part, but did you, did you pull off a cynical foul in 2014? 
Uh, a foul Bonner. Uh, no, it wasn't actually cynical. Um, he was when he was running in. He he was playing centre forward at the time, and he came running in um, on the goal. And Bonner kind of does this thing where he weaves as he runs. So it's a chance that as he's running in towards goal, he makes you check your stride so you're not sprinting after him. But also, if a chance your legs cross, then it's a free. But as I was reaching, just he's about to get the goal to reach for the for the flick. <clears throat> we just got caught up and hit the deck. Like it wasn't clean and clean playing to see if you go back and look at it I didn't grab his jersey I didn't do anything I was reaching in to flick the ball and I can't remember was it Barry Kelly I think was referring that game Barry Kelly even came in I don't even know if, I think I got a yellow for it actually funny enough I, I actually think I did get a yellow but Barry Kelly came in he said listen it wasn't like he didn't he didn't warn me to say that was cynical or anything he just went he got caught up but he said he was going in on goals so it was like grand but that was at the time where the penalty had to be struck it was three players and it had to be struck yeah. before the 21 so it was actually tougher on the forward but like that was just the nature of it. That wasn't me making the rules. That was the GA rules, and that was the rules that were at the time. So it was tougher for Shamie Callan, I think, took it, and I think Richie Hogan saved it, actually. Yeah, a um, couple of off-the-beaten-track questions before we get back on point here. Uh, Will, can I ask why you're drinking out of a jar? I'm not. I'm drinking out of a <laughs> literal pint glass there, which is getting slightly blurred, but there you go. Um, it's uh, my, waddy, my waddy orange this time around. It is not that a jar. That would not be cool to do this, this day and age, kind of a hipster-type thing to drink out of a jar. Re- reduce, yeah. reuse, recycle. That's that's your issue. There you go. No, it's just a straight up pint glass, which I'm sure I stole from a pub at some point. Um, Thomas Hart again, great game. Limerick off favourites now for the All Ireland. Claire could be there also, but hot opposition. Tommy and Tip, and this one also about interior design coming in from Esmond One. Are the two boys in the same room? Same paint on the wall behind. Uh, this is surely just a case, lads, of like I've got a creamy colour on the wall at the back. This is just <laughs> all in. A kind of an off white colour is what we've all got on. I yeah. can confirm one is in Kilkenny and one is in Galway. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure between the three of us, yeah, we chose the colours too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we do have in common, we didn't pick the colours. Yeah, no. we've been in the house, I could choose outside. When we got inside, I had no choice. <laughs> I, was told, I was told what we're getting. <laughs> so what, you got to build the sheds, but nothing else then, yeah? I got a bit of stone outside and a bit of tarmac. That's Lovely. it. Right. Lovely. Yeah, she got flipping couches and fucking beds and memory mattresses and you <laughs> these all sound nice by the way you shouldn't be uh, giving out about them like is your house by the way exactly the same as it was on Gogglebox yeah okay did yeah. they come in and move your stuff around they did yeah yeah they came in and uh, shifted everything like we have a lovely big TV up and say sitting down over the fireplace and like mm-hmm. it's really comfortable leaning back but they couldn't get the right camera angle so they just shifted us around and bring in a different TV it wasn't very nice so your NFL hey. position was stolen away from you completely but yeah yeah my um I call it my vegetation position, to be honest, where the cleaner's just out and I'm just like this. I'm basking in my own house. <laughs> uh, Cormac Quaid as well, making a good point. David Reedy. Look, David Reedy, um, we've spoken about it a few times and I remember Joe Quaid was saying at our live show last year that like, you know, this is a guy who ha- always had the talent and talk about Kildare and there today. Big involvement this year, three huge points and the assist for Galan's goal as well. And if Galan had sucked that second one away, if he'd given a Mikey Butler finish, he would have had a very uh, heavy hand potentially in the second goal there as well. So, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, again, a very useful player to come through this year, Skell. Like, and that's if, if Limerick are going to succeed, like some of their top players haven't been 100% on the ball and Keane Lynch has had this injury. You, you need lads like Carl O'Neill and like Reedy to actually step up and be big players this season. Yeah, let's contrast it to last year. So last year when Keane Lynch was obviously out, Peter Casey was returning, uh, we were saying the same thing. Was there a chink in Limerick's, Limerick's armour? But the trouble was, dude, all their players were firing on full cylinders. So like Finn was fired and Hayes was fired and Hannon, all these boys, Burns, Burns obviously heard of the year form, Hecarty, they're all firing on full cylinders. Whereas now you, you think they're kind of slight, slightly stuttering just to, just to just a degree. Like today, Hecarty got a point, I think. And 
you'd expect in big games like him that there'd be more of a return. So I just there's a different feeling this year. Now it's very hard to, to verbalize or put put your finger on it, but it just feels like that Limerick on any given day now could be beaten. They could be beaten. Whereas last year, even after the number of years, you'd say that if Limerick are ahead, they won't be caught. Whereas this year, I'm saying, Jesus, you know, it's opposition depending. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, it's it's hard to see, truthfully speaking, how they don't get to a final again with the way they're operating and plus the break they're going to have. But yeah, I think if any year they're going to get caught, uh, caught is the wrong word. If any year they're going, the trauma is going to get shaken, it could be this year. Yeah, um, I see this is coming from Tom Hall. Double header for Leinster and Munster finals. Uh, this is where people debating about Crow Park at the moment. I think the thing that's fairly clear, they're not going to have them on the same day next year like don't get me wrong Murph I really enjoyed that we went from one game to another but in the circumstance like you guys going to the Leinster final you'd prefer to actually have the option to attend the Munster final but also mm. maybe to sit down and enjoy it in its own day as opposed to I think you guys were in the Crow Park Hotel and saw the end of it up on the big screen when you got in you'd prefer if they were on different days I guess yeah you would you know it's a great weekend um, it's a great weekend to be looking forward to a match on a Saturday and a match on a Sunday and like that's the way the All-Ireland semi-finals are going to be as well you're going to have one on a Saturday one on a Sunday and it's great to the focus is on one game you have a bit of a chance to digest that maybe look back on it the talk and the focus is on that game um, and then you have the, the the next match the following day and all the focus on that but like sure at the moment it's brilliant in one way it's absolutely brilliant like we had a great day watching sport and what was great now actually as well was inside in fairness now we were in the Crow Park Hotel before it and a huge crowd actually enormous Galway crowd there in fairness and there was a big there was a good Kilkenny crowd as well but everybody was glued to it everybody was absolutely welded to the Munster match and you could hear cheers and, and different things at different times Kel you'll agree with me there I think there was a good few lads who were supporting Clare I, I, a lot that. of people supporting Clare we, we see uh, we were about 30 seconds behind we had, a, we had an iPad we, we, so Owen Lynch he used to hurl for Galway uh, a great great prominent man he was sitting beside us and he came prepared with, with kids as you can imagine bringing the iPad probably trying to get them distracted for the day so he, he plonked it up on the table so we had an iPad here in front of us then turned to my left with a phone and then if you were tall enough you could see the television but the yeah. television was ahead of the iPad and the iPad sorry the television was ahead of the phone and the phone was ahead of the yeah. iPad like, it's just it's a pandemonium for a finish yeah it was gas because there was a big, big, big roar. Claire got a goal, but we'd be watching the screen and sure, it might be just tipping around midfield somewhere, nothing going on. Yeah. We're a minute behind, like, so Claire mm. got a goal and two of us would stand up and have a look up and we'd report to the rest of the 10 people that are sitting around the screen to say, Claire about to get a goal here now, so just how long the ball comes off the post. So, Mystic Murph, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get bets going. I bet you a tenner, Claire score a goal in the next 30 seconds. But uh, yeah, good atmosphere, though, in fairness to it. Mm, little agreement on whether it was a good final or not uh, John S many many the bad hurling match which has been sugarcoated by a pulsating finish if there's an exciting last five minutes it doesn't matter how crap it was up until then I don't know like again I think both teams had uh, good spells in it all around the uh, GA the lads were kind of making it's hard, it's hard to say that, that was a bad hurling game to no, I, I, thought, I thought it was a good game it did yeah. lack maybe some of the intensity um, at different periods I think that's the point the lads are making here uh, Leinster finally lacked intensity both teams experienced periods of dominance until the last 20 minutes when it became quite helter-skelter like I suppose Kel, if you're looking at this from a Galway point of view you would have had to have been happy with how Galway hurled particularly in the first 10-12 minutes of the game given how flat they were in the first half against Dublin the last day that at least Galway came out fighting properly at the start of the game I think it was 6-1 or 6-2 early six one, on yeah. Yeah. And I, actually, I took a note that our, our, like, first and foremost right, I, I can take the, the skills you know the, the strength whatever all that stuff I can move that aside and the first and foremost I, I, look, I look for is our attitude and, our, and our, our, basically our, our execution of work rate that's the first thing right? so I was looking for this today and in fairness in the first few minutes that was really really good I thought our defensive setup on the opposition put out was really good we forced Orr Murphy to go along on numerous occasions then we got up high contested get the breaks and move on. 
uh, where, where we found a bit of trouble. And it's like, it seems like when a team do a, an adjustment mid-game, we, we, we seem to be slow to react. So TJ Reid, if you remember, came way out, like way out around midfield, nearly picking up on his own half-back line. That created an ocean space for Kinney inside, and it just causes a bit of hassle. And it took us a while to get to get to, to get to the on top of it, and then you, you kind of it felt like we were struggling to get into half time as a draw. So I actually said at half time that I think we're in a, we're in a touch of bother. If if the, if the game stayed going the way it was going on that trajectory, I thought Kenny would win the game. And then to come out in the second half, you're actually hopeful. And then we start with this with the sharper goal strategy, and it just completely falters. And actually, we go eight points down in the first seventh minute. And you're wondering where is the spark going to come from? But it came. It, it came. The spark came. Like Murphy was saying earlier on, when a team is coming from behind, it's nearly better position. You're, it's, it's nearly preferable to be the hunter as opposed to the hunty, and that's what happened for Galway, and they kept going. And I thought we'd see it out, obviously in the 74th minute, uh, but not to be. But I, there's, there's, there's good things we learned there. I think it's a stark improvement on what we produced against uh, <coughs> against Kikini actually in Nolan Park, and mm-hmm. also against Dublin Crow Park. Now I will say, if my if I'm not mistaken, we uh, we haven't won in Crow Park in a long time. So Kikini have beaten us. Dublin was a draw this year. Limerick Kikini beat us last year. We didn't play in Crow Park for the Leinster final, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you've lost two semi-finals against Limerick, haven't you? Yeah, uh, Dublin beat us the year before in 21 in the group. We didn't make any, any semi-final knockout. Limerick beat us in the semi-final in 20. Kikini beat us in the Leinster final in 20. We beat Wexford in the semi-final in the Leinster Championship. So we haven't won in seven games in Crow Park, which is a serious mm-hmm. concern for me. And that's not against just one team. That's against a variety, like you know, well, I say a variety, a variety of quality of opposition, Limerick Kikini. Who have beaten us? Uh, Kilkenny beaten us three times, Limerick twice, and Dublin. We haven't beaten them. In, in As a player, scale, does that ever get into your mind? Um, I, I wouldn't say so, Will, because today I had to think about it because I was just talking to Grace on the way down. And I was saying, "Geez, mm. it, it doesn't feel like we've won in a while in, in, in Crow Park." And when I started going through it, I was thinking, "God, it was back to my own playing days when we won," which mm. is frightening. <laughs> you know, like the last big game you could say, because even you go back further in in twenty nineteen, we didn't qualify. Uh, out of Crow Park because it was the long drop stage remember in 2018 Limerick beat in the final yep. Clare we didn't win the semi-final if you remember we drew with them Kilkenny in the Leicester final second, yeah Kilkenny in the Leicester final we didn't beat them we drew with them so you see where I'm going we haven't won, we've only won one game in Crow Park um, since geez, 17 in, in, since I'm going to say since Ireland final in 17 that's 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 frightening that's right we've only won one game in Crow Park since 20, the, the, the Ireland final in 17 that's remarkable. Yeah, if anyone wants to correct us in the comments, but I, I think Scales uh, I'm pretty accurate now with that. I think I think I'm pretty. No, well, look, you're involved with a lot of those games, so like I yeah. would, uh, I would trust you on that one entirely. Um, this is a good one for you, Murph, coming in from Enda Burke. What have we learned today about how to beat Limerick, or have we learned anything about how to beat Limerick today? <clears throat> Press or puck out. Yeah, yeah, I think pressing or puck out certainly is a, is a launching pad from it. Um, like. What have we learned? Like the one thing we do know about Limerick is that they, they're happy to play it a variety of ways. But at the moment, uh, their confidence and their slickness isn't where isn't where it was. Certainly, like if you even go back to the league final, like I mean that just looked like this Limerick team isn't going anywhere. But since then, they've they've now the four weeks will stand to them. But it was a little bit jarring the last while. They couldn't seem to get their flow. And I think Clare's intensity was certainly um, a big part of that today. Like Clare just weren't trying to, weren't letting Limerick breathe. And for a lot of teams, a lot of teams will look at it and say, okay, this can be done. You know, and a lot of teams will look at it and say, maybe we have a bit more physicality than Clare to actually go and do this as well. So um, I think a lot of teams would have believed at this stage that phys- physically Limerick can't be bullied at times. But we have seen it happen. Um, as Skettle says, you know, press their puckouts. You know, giving the ball, giving an easy ball to Clare to start the launching pad going forward is is probably a very foolish move to do. 
But um, the ability to not only press their puck outs, but if you see what Limerick are really good at is they can press, but then they can also, as a unit, as a whole team, realise then when we're now going to sit back and we're going to allow them. So it's nearly unsettling for an opposition team that they, they come up in waves and press the puck out and then they sit back. That's when they were doing things really well and they were in their prime. Um, and I would just say that other teams need to know how to do that as well because Limerick do have so many tools at, in their, at their disposal whereby... Yeah, pressing the puck out for the first 20 minutes might go really well, but then they might get to grips with you. And if you're not able to change it, then they might go, actually, we're getting a bit of change off off, the, off these long balls. I do think a big part of it as well is, um, like, unless you have out-and-out, lightning-fast, full back line, you do need cover from the half-back line, preventing that ball being popped into, like, Gillan in front of them. Like, it, it's not even a case that they have to be there. It's just closing out that landing area where that ball can land into and just being aware that flood back it's, it's almost like you're saying like what Skettle was saying there like with the, with the Galway lads where they, they fail to track the runners going back like flooding back as a team is, is hugely enormous because Limerick are so good at you see just the players coming forward Barry Nash up the, up the line Kyle Hayes and these lads now they've been stifled out a few times but um, you know if, if you can get your team to work really hard and chase back and get those hooks and get those blocks and turn over the ball That'll kill their momentum a small bit, but there, there certainly has been indicators and there's been learning points as well, but uh, I wouldn't say a huge amount from today either, though, necessarily. Mm, but yeah. do, do, you think, do you know, you know if you're watching Limerick now, when I'm watching them, right, so I think that the, the, the opposition forwards have to mark their men, mark their backs, mm-hmm. and the opposition backs have to mark the space. So, like, if you're, if you're a halfback in Verkir now, you cannot have, you, you have to recognize mark zones and allow yeah. Hager to use as runners these zones and try to contest with your midfield. Like, your midfield has to be very yeah. narrow so they can cover the three positions, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they yeah. put their midfield over, you're getting screwed and they're going to puck out the opposite side into space. Like we've yeah. seen Morris and Hickory. That hasn't happened an awful lot this year. Mm. Yeah. We, we don't see the movement from, from Limerick whereby they're coming into the middle and splitting. And maybe I, yeah. I feel like, truthfully speaking, it's because Kyle Hayes is not in the half hour line. Like Kyle Hayes yeah. last year, remember the final Murph, like him in conjunction with Murphy, or not, says Murphy, with Hegarty and Morrissey, yeah. they, they, they played puck with the, the, uh, the, 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 their own puck out and caused like Paddy Deegan, Richie Reid, ferocious problem. That's yeah, just what yeah. we have at the moment. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, the key yeah. thing is, is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I, maybe we don't put, put enough emphasis on the fact that, that uh, Sean Finn is injured and doesn't allow the Dan Morrissey wing-back situation, doesn't allow the Kyle Hayes situation to progress, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, yeah that's, what, that's a big launching pad because Limerick, Limerick's two biggest fastest of play where they get scores off is their, their puck out and your puck out. They were, mm-hmm. They're a brilliant turnover of your puck out, but don't, they don't seem to be as aggressive or, or as... Or as I don't know. They don't seem to be getting the came, came kind of fruition of the opposition as they were in years previous. Reasons no, like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, asked here as well, is the show in association with my body? It's not, but if anyone who watches the show regularly, generally, I think orange cordial is our drink of choice, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Well, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's the second drink of choice today. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe hold on just a little while before launching back into that give it a few minutes there um, this one coming in uh, from the long fella uh, which you can both take did the Galway backs wait thinking it was a back with the ball coming in against them as in like do you naturally kind of back off scale when you see it's Killian Buckley as opposed to TJ Reid who's lining up as a shooter in that situation um, it, it's, it's hard to say because I think the first man he met was Park who had no hurl right to that mm. Well, he'd so kick like, the ball and then he would have been the next yeah. to him, yeah. In, in that situation, um, I think you're looking for a tackle list. And I, when I say a tackle, I'm talking about any kind of tackle at all. Mm. Like, take a yellow card. That would be classed to me now as a really good foul. Sometimes, I suppose, the, the honesty comes out too much in the player where you're trying to play the ball. But I just think, go off the legs. Sean Cavanaugh style, 
pull him down and get yourself reset again because you know if he gets through as you can see the damage is is, uh, is too grand yeah, yeah. You just answer Frank Hogan's question there to go a defender should have pulled Killian to the ground take one for the team line your goal I guess Murph at that point take the foul take the card maybe even and then say right TG you're going to have to play this through a line yeah, of bodies like, to score so, not to cross yeah. you like Parry Manning would have got a second yellow card he'd have been sent off but so last play the game though yeah. Yeah. We'd, we'd, have got, we'd have got 30 seconds we'd have lined up 13 lads on the on the, on the, on the, in, on the in line and away with it you know and if he scores yeah. he scores I could take that I could honestly I could take that if he scored like like TJ did against Thomas a couple of years ago hmm. or about your rifle 21 against Thurles but the way they scored the goal today that's sickener <laughs> sickener <laughs> Uh, the answer the answer to this is yes by the way was Skell excited to get a picture with the great Paul Murphy and Johnny Glenn he definitely was <laughs> meeting Showtime uh, Murph that was a big moment for Paul Murphy yeah met your, I met your alter ego I was in I was in the queue I was going up to get a drink was it a half time I think it was Skell I was getting a half time I think you started roaring at me you'll never guess who this is I was like who is this how am I meant to know it's the real Murphy goes it's Showtime Murph <laughs> <laughs> actually did we figure it out is, 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 was the surname Murph in the end I, I don't it, think so but I don't think it the, is no no the tweet that's up is not it's not Murphy it's, what was it a Donovan or something I have, Sorry, it, I have, it, I have it here somewhere uh, we're chatting Sean, to him. I actually have to call it out as well his friend was wearing a Galway top and he was from Waterford he said he couldn't bring himself to wear a Kilkenny top I said Jesus Christ if you just, <laughs> should, have, should have just told me you were two Galway men and just leave it at that <laughs> there you go that's, that's the real uh, showtime Murph uh, Sean Friend question lads definitely the bonus pod lately uh, don't you subscribe ok so the bonus pods generally will be in the hurling pod feed we haven't had a bonus pod the last couple of weeks for two different reasons uh, one was because we've been doing so many lives and the lives have gone a little bit longer so we haven't done it in a bonus pod uh, format in the way that we usually record them and then last week time was at the essence because I think Skell was going back out with the Galway management that afternoon Murph had an engagement as well and we ended up kind of rushing the recording last week otherwise we would have done, done a bonus pod I think uh, next week very good chance we go back to a bonus pod but yeah the hurling pod feed is the best place to be if you want to pick up all the content there as well uh, they all fired up for the first 20 minutes of the second half we're looking at the game between uh, Kilkenny and Galway so there was that kind of just that little bit of excitement about it all I've got a few mm. other comments I've pulled up here um, which are kind of good wider discussions around everything as well Gary Farrell is it a concern for Murph that Mossy has gone off injured the last two games within the first 20 minutes so obviously he picked up a knock today mm. like aside from even from Mossy quite a few injuries picked up by Kilkenny at the moment I like obviously there was a lot of back and forth talk about what the specialist was going to do uh, with Adrian Mullen's thumb and then he wasn't able to play today and then there's a couple of changes that were needed before the game so um, maybe Kilkenny will just be happy take the Mossy question as well but maybe Kilkenny will be happy to the best part of a month to try and get some of these injuries cleared up that's exactly it I mean from the Mossy point of view yeah of course it's it's concerning any player coming off with an injury after that stage um, it seemed to be that he tweaked his hamstring and I think that's that's what the issue is at the moment is that he has a tight hamstring but look up until then he was flying it I mean he got the goal took it really well um, and as you said like can he have a chance now to manage this over the next four weeks they do have injuries but now they can also point to the fact that you know, when they're back in training now, they say, lads, this is why we have the panel. You know, this is why we have, you know, we, we talk about the rest of the players on the panel. You've all went out and proved um, that we can win Leinster final uh, and go and beat a really good team. 
even if we do have, we are carrying injuries. And, you know, the pressure will be on players now over the next four weeks because you will have players coming back um, from injuries as well. Like, you know, Richie Reid wasn't there today and um, seems to have picked up a knock in training. He'll be coming back in. And the half-back line hurt really well today as well, you know. So it puts pressure on not only lads who are have been in the team, young lads have come in, put their hand up, taken a jersey, and now you're going to have players coming back from injury. Adrian Mullen, I, I don't know, you talk to one person, it seems to be he's out for the year. You talk to the next person and said he might be out for four weeks or so. So I think until the next time we see that Adrian Mullen's back in full training, we'll know then that he's back fit and ready. But I do take it as a big positive that Kilkenny could go while shipping so many injuries, and particularly even over the last week or 10 days, that they were able to take so many injuries and still go and perform to a really, really high level today. So it's, um, it's, it's positive. But look, absolutely, the four weeks, Kilkenny or Galway would love the four weeks. And it's great. Like As a Kilkenny supporter, you're delighted now because they get to step back you know, get the ice on the injuries, you, you sift through the ashes of this and see where we hurled well, but also we let an eight-point lead slip. That's another thing they're going to say to themselves as well. So they have time now over the next week to recover, to focus on it and say, listen, we're going to be facing most likely Clare um, in an All-Ireland semi-final and we need to have our house in order. And it, that four weeks is, is ideal time to do that. Yeah, um, again, fair point by Michael Redden here. All I'm hearing is Conor Cleary been a big loss for Clare. Limerick, uh, without a four-time All-Star best cornerback in the country in Sean Finn. No two-time hurler of the year available in Keane Lynch. Uh, the result is a fifth monster in a row. Again, we, we've said this over the last two years. Limerick have got this wave when players are either injured or out of form. Someone else plugs in and the system just keeps going. That machine is just year yeah, after year sure after year. Um, any doubts the people would have had scale about this Limerick team as well they've really answered them like if you think a few weeks ago the narrative very much was mm, Limerick have to make sure they finish up in third place to stay in the All-Ireland their Munster crown is probably gone and here they are with the McMackie back in Hannon's hands again but even I think it's, it's, it's been also very much it's, it's been an emotional test for Limerick a mental test if you could say because if you go back even further Will we, the question was posed to us here I don't know what, what week it was uh, would anyone come within 10 points Limerick and at the time, truthfully speaking, it probably was a valid question because of how Limerick were, were showing such dominance throughout the league and the way they kind of disposed, disposed of uh, Kinney. But then the way it progressed through and they've come through a very, very tight Munster Championship. And some will say, yes, by the skin of their teeth, grand. But at the end of the day, they're going home with the cup again today. And like, if anyone questions Limerick's, Limerick's standing in, in history, like they'd, they'd want their head examined. Because you, you said there at the start, you said three leagues, four Ireland and four, five Munsters. Yeah, 12, all that- 12 of the finals they played and they've won. That is absolutely colossal. Sick. Colossal. Sick is what it is. That's a 100% record in the finals. Like, I don't mm. know, is there any team in world sport that exudes that kind of dominance in Limerick? And, and granted, you can say what you like, but at the end of the day, they're winning these games, right? And I, I have to point, do you remember the way, do you remember the time Dublin were playing Mayo back in the football? Do you remember, do you remember there was back and forth to Dublin Mayo there for years when Dublin went through the five in a row and they beat Dublin or they beat Mayo in a replay and then maybe a point to it? Like, Dublin then were considered the greatest team of all time and Mayo mm-hmm. were considered as the nearly men, nearly kind of semi call losers. Whereas, like, I have to say to Limerick, they are one of the greatest teams I've ever seen. And the more and more as the years go on, I'm saying, would the Bakey Kinney <laughs> in their prime time? I'm not going to say it just yet, no. I'm not going to say it just yet. Because Kinney deserves much more respect than that, I think. But, yeah. you know, if they go and win their Ireland Lichelads and they, they finish up with five Munsters and five All-Irelands and three leagues and undefeated in 13 finals, that's a hard record to answer to, to Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. even with the unbeaten record going at was it 17 when Clare beat them uh, earlier this year. Uh, Pat Wall, uh, at will, all the best of the power rankings after today. Yeah, there's some, there's some food for thought there, I would say. 
Although I think the power rankings are, are holding up reasonably well. Uh, some people were complaining why are Kilkenny in third place and how could Kilkenny be considered ahead of Galway at this stage? Well, now Kilkenny are there as Leinster champions. Galway have shown they're right alongside them. Uh, we saw the Clare just as good as Limerick in the two games that they've played so far this year. So I think Limerick still have to be respected as number one. Clare is number two. Yeah, people shouting at me about that. The Clare should have went ahead of them. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit below that. So That's probably the problem. You've, you've Limerick first, you've Clare second, you've Kilkenny third, Galway fourth. I think so now. Yeah. It's harsh on Cork. Cork didn't do a whole lot wrong during the Munster Championship, but they're out of the Championship now, so they have to kind of drop down a little bit probably. Yeah. And I don't know. I have to work out that middle section just below that. And Dublin, I think, have to go ahead of Waterford. They're still in the Championship yeah. at this stage. So It's, it's hard to believe we've only eight games left, isn't it? Ah, this yeah. is a killer. I remember I sent you the brackets a couple of weeks ago, you know, when we knew how it was working out for the quarterfinals and the preliminary quarterfinals, and it just hits home. You're like, so we've got two provincial finals coming up. It's going to be great. And then... Straight away, we only have a few more weekends left to championship with us. Six weeks left, that's eight games. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I know a lot of people are going to want to watch the Sunday game because the Sunday game is going to be very hurling heavy naturally with the way today has gone at around about half nine. So as a result, can we jump in? And I will, while you're doing it, I'll look through the rest of the comments and we'll get a few more tasty questions before we finish. But I don't want to forget the one from last week, which is you were to pick a Leinster and Munster team. Now, yeah. Murph confirmed he already has this. When Scale was in abstention on the road on the way back, I know his notepad already has it written in there. So <laughs> we are safe, yeah, yeah. He well, looks, I wrote this. Slightly nervous, then. but go on. Who who wants to go first? Do it, Scale. Did you do the homework? No. Did you do it? Um, oh no way! Is, is there detention? Is there? <laughs> I can I can check detention. Paul no Murphy, way. you're up first. How is oh, about gosh. this, right? Given Paul Murphy has done the homework. And the listeners wanted this question from last I a, week. I had it done last week, actually. Yeah. So you exactly. give us a Leinster and Munster team. And Scale, you can disagree with whoever you like on it. Get ready, Johnny okay. Glenn. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm looking back at this team going, just trying to remember why I picked all these players. Um, go. Okay, we go for it all. Where are you go. starting? <clears throat> Where am I starting? Munster or Leinster? We'll start Leinster, sure, really. Go for it. Jewel in the crown. Um, Owen Murphy. <laughs> Mikey Butler. <laughs> Hugh Lawler. Great. Let's just keep it moving, okay? We don't, yeah. Hugh Lawler, Owen O'Donnell. Richie Reid, Dahi Burke, Park Mannion. Adrian Mullen, Cahill Mannion. Donald Burke, Lee Chin, Paddy Deegan. Connor Whelan, TJ, Owen Cody. So I'll let you just digest that now for a second. And if you want, will I call out... Will I go for Munster now, just straight into it? Yeah, go on, because this is great crack. We can actually have the, uh, the people in the comments disagree hugely with what you're putting in here as well. Absolutely, so. why not? Yeah. Uh, so Quaid on the goal. I'm going without injuries here. I'm going Sean Finn, Morrissey and Nash. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you going the team of the, cha- the team of the Munster Championship or the best team in Munster? B- Munster 15. Basically, the best team out of Munster 15, all things being equal, players aren't injured. Oh, okay, that's different. Okay. You've added another parameter there, but go on. Well, like I mean, it was just it was the, the the parameters were pick a monster fifteen. It didn't say pick the best team in the championship. And I'm going to go through your, your Leinster team now, right? And I'm going to pick off a couple of lads here on, on farm. Okay, am I am I still going to monster now? I'm going to carry on. Well, I pick I pick the both off. Go on, off you go. Okay, we'll go. <laughs> give give right. the team first, and then you can go from there. Okay, so we'll go Quaid, uh, Sean Finn, Dan Morrissey, Nash, Burns, Kieran Joyce, Hayes, William O'Donoghue, Noel McGrath, Declan Dalton, Keen Lynch, Tony Kelly. Gillan, Ford, and Horgan. Jeez, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too fast. Keen, Dalton Lynch and who? 
Uh, Dalton Lynch and Tony Kelly. And for Ford Gillan, Ford and Horgan. Right. Now, go on. Pick holes. Jesus, this is a hard one. I'll go back to Leinster, right? Go on. So in terms of form, yeah. um, I would actually put in more than the goals for Dublin. On, specifically on the, the form he showed this year. Okay. Because like Murphy, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, has he conceded ten goals in three games? Ten goals, three games. Well, definitely Wexford four five in that game, wasn't it? No, four in that game. No, they scored five, yeah. So four yeah. Uh, excuse me. Nine in three games. Nine. Yeah. Four, three, and two? Yeah. Four, three, yeah. Yeah, and even even the puck off strategy. Do you notice Murphy King's puck off just seems to be pump it? Um, yeah okay a lot of it yeah quite a bit um, I think they kind of felt though today particularly that they maybe had Galway at times if they could isolate him in disguise they could they could go and win it but yeah quite a bit short they don't hit a lot short to their half back line like quite a bit is yeah. full back line or go half forward line that's quite a bit of it yeah go on anyway that's, go. That, that's been that's been Kikini for like for history isn't it we would have been longer to come with the puck outs, yeah. Certainly, we 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 generally go with a longer puck out, yeah. Fuck, I said I said more than that. It seemed like a Sean Brennan, didn't it? I took that back. Sorry, Butler can't argue with him. Yeah, fabulous. Lawler can't argue with him. Um, Owen O'Donnell in the corner. Yeah, he was, he's been very good too. Richie not, Reed. Not, not to break your flow of thought here, but I like what's gone, what's back. John Conlon, lads. What about him? Well, presume, <laughs> presume he wants him in the team. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, he wants him in it, but like Kieran Joyce has been excellent for Cork. He's been enormous. I think that was more of a cry of loyalty. John Collins excellent, of course he is. He's very good. But like I mean it's very tough there. Like I'm even looking down at the Munster team here now at the moment, going like Shane O'Donnell instead of Patrick Horgan, maybe. Do you know? And that's the team I picked. I'm I'm disagreeing with myself nearly, you know. Go on anyway. Yeah, I pick your um, skill. I you you reach a read on there. I have to come back to that one. Okay, I'm not sure about that one. Dahi, yes. Parik, yes. Adrian, yes. Uh, Kyle, yes. Donald Burke, yes. Um, Chin throughout his championship. But I think when he when he actually was available and played for Wexford, he was very very influential. So I have no argument with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pedro I'm not sure. Wing forward. Where was he even playing today? He was playing wing back today. Wing back, so I, I just don't know. I, I'm Up not until sure today, he was playing wing forward. I know it's fair enough because <laughs> the reason the way I was going with this, I was looking at it as a team as a whole, and like, so if you look at the half back line, for example, you have Dahi Burke, a holding centre back there, and he's like the pivot, and you have Parik Mannion and Richie Reid sweeping across two lads who use the ball really well and are also good defenders, but they're great fellas at getting on ball and moving it really well. You have the likes of Adrian Mullen and Carl Mannion. Look, you don't understand anything about them. <clears throat> You've Donald Burke. Proven finisher, Lee Chin, Camelot on the ball. Paddy Deegan's possessions are through the roof often when he's half forward for Kilkenny. Like in the league final, he had the most possessions for Kilkenny. I think he had about 22 possessions, even though Kilkenny didn't play well. So I was looking at that from the point of view of a kind of a Tom Morrissey type player where like he still gets on balls even when the team isn't going well. Um, but yeah, well, absolutely, go on, fire away. Would you change him? Yeah, yeah I, I just, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's a goal thing where I just don't look, think he's a perfect typical wing forward. Possessions, yeah. He's probably maybe, not. He's probably not, though. To be fair, yeah. Maybe I could just imagine. I can just envisage Joe Cooney getting five, three or four points. You know what I mean, Joe Cooney. But again, today he he probably a quite day and had some missed opportunities. But if you were to give me, if you were to give me the choice here, I'll give you Paddy Deegan. I'll give you Joseph Cooney. I would take Joseph. But you would yeah. take Paddy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
Reload can't argue, TG can't argue, Cody can't argue. So the only ones I would probably contest would be now. I just probably on this on farm this year. It's just just yeah. in the list championships alone, I would probably change your keeper. Um, and I'd probably leave, I'd probably change Paddy Deegan as well. I'm not sure. Fuck it. Yeah, that's a hard one. That's go on, Monster then. And Monster. Monster. Um, Nikki has had a good championship. Probably sticks him in front. Now you know Nikki's my guy. <laughs> he is very much he's your homeboy yeah yeah but in terms of form I'd say he's probably he's not at the same now when I say level he's probably two or three percent a touch back than he was last year because we see even the Hogan goal and maybe the goal that he conceded against um, the near post one yeah was against Clare yeah the one he's conceded as a second half yeah he'd be probably disappointed with him um, Sean Finn I have to take him out solely because of of the injury and then he asked well, I'm, we, I'm guessing you'd have Sean Finn if this was fit oh Oh, shadow of a doubt. Yeah. That's, he's, the first, yeah. he's the first name on the list. Hmm. But in terms of form, oh, geez, that's a hard one too, this. Fuck. Like, who's been, who's been really good? Like, I thought O'Leary was really good for Cork, to be fair. Yeah. So, I, like, I'm trying to, I'm probably tw- leaning towards him. Dan Morrissey, I can't argue with him. I think he's been, he's been really good. Um, you have Nash. Like, Nash has been quite by his standards, but in terms of his defensive, he's, he's really good. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking up Maeve's comment here as well. One but from Clare, Christ above. But see, that's the thing. You can't. If you're picking a team, it doesn't matter how many from any county. Like, as in, I don't know how many you have from Kilkenny. In the, you're just picking by positions. So, like, you might have two. I think it's a push to have three potentially from player on that team. So, like, you can't just go and say, "Oh, there's only one." There's none from Waterford. So, like, I mean, none where's the Waterford Kerry. person shouting from? There's none from Kerry. Hmm. Where's the people crying, banging the drum there? Like, see, it's the thing. It, it, that nearly kind of goes back to as well what Skettle was saying about when you add up players' points over the course of the last four or five championships, they're on top or whatever. Yeah, but who's went home with the cup? That's, well, tell you what, so. You can look at it two right. different ways. Go on. Let's just, let's just change this moment. Right? <clears throat> let's go back to the start, right? And let's just go through the clear team versus this team you've picked here, Murph. Yeah. And say, right, who would I pick here? Now, yeah. right, so, would you pick Quilligan or Nicky? I'm picking Nicky. Yeah. Would you pick Rory Hayes or pick Nile O'Leary at the minute? I'm picking O'Leary. Yeah. Would you pick Conor Cleary, Dan Morrissey? Dan Morrissey. Would you pick Adam Hogan and Brian Nash? You're picking Brian Nash. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, now, Jim O'Brien, there's, there's probably, does, does he get in that team? He's had a good, he's had a good championship, but like yeah. Burns quiet enough today. And uh, like, um, Hurdle of the year, shoots the lights out. You're not, you're not, you're not taking off Jim O'Brien. You're not taking off no. Jim Burns. You're not, you're not. Now, Kieran Drace and John Conlon, that's a question mark. I would probably question that one more. You could, you could. Yeah. For me, I, I'd it's argue. Arguable. It's arguable, that one. Yeah, I put in John on that one. That's just me, right? Okay. And then you've Kyle Hayes versus uh, McInerney, is it? Um, Grove McInerney. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Dave. Sorry, Dave. I'm putting yeah. Kyle Hayes. Sorry. Yeah. So now then, <clears throat> excuse me, at midfield, you've got, uh, O'Donoghue. is it Donovan? Uh, O'Donoghue and Noel McGrath. Noel McGrath versus Davy Fitz and uh, Ryan Taylor. Ooh. Davy Fitz, see, Davy Fitz could be a big argument there, but like you're having Noel McGrath for the pulling the strings, and then it's William O'Donoghue. And for me, like neither William O'Donoghue, Noel McGrath, and fucking uh, Davy Fitz, Noel McGrath only does one job that out of those three that the other two don't do. Like, so he pulls the strings. Whereas William O'Donoghue and Davy Fitz are quite similar. And when William O'Donoghue's going well, he's a fair force in nature. So, yeah, Fitz, right. do you know, I'm coaching them too, yeah, I'm coaching them too. Um, you've Dalton now <clears throat> in here Shane O'Donnell, Shane O'Donnell there has to be a spot for him somewhere that's the other one that was saying potentially Shane O'Donnell could be in there where do I put him like I, I in fairness I would take out Dalton and put him in SOD Shane O'Donnell I'd actually take out Horgan put him in Declan Dalton I'm leaving him there for the divilment <laughs> the divilment <laughs> he's he, I thought he's he's a really good Munster Championship I yeah. mean not, not by one by form but 
if I just take out something, I'm saying there, Ford can pop over the freeze. Like Horgan's obviously very consistent, but let's say Ford can pop them over. Um, even Galan can pop them over. But Shane O'Donnell will cause carnage there. If you're taking out someone, I'd be taking Horgan. Yeah. Um, let's put Darren's question to you here and Darren also asked we do a graphic for this and when the boys eventually agree I will do one obviously this is being debated out live currently between the two lads but <laughs> if you're putting injuries aside how can you leave out the five-time Munster Championship and four-time All-Ireland winning captain justice for Decky Hannon sure don't we have the don't we have the was it five-time Munster Championship and four-time All-Ireland winner Sean Finn, the five-time blah, 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 four-time Dan Morrissey, the five-time four-time Do you want to put the team in there, like, you know? That's a fabulous answer. We, 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 we've been there arguing it back after we went, oh, here's everyone else in the rest of the country and let's put, wait, there'll actually be eight Limerick lads on the team, so, yeah. Or 15 nearly at this stage, yeah. Very, very, very fair point. Uh, let's see. There were a few other questions which I want to throw at you. Um, there was definitely an interesting one here about... Oh, it's from the all around the GAAs again. Question for Skell. Is Cahill Mannion being deployed too deep? Would he be more effective in an advanced position? Yes. I know yeah. you're the head of the Cahill Mannion fan club, so where should he be? Deployed? Yeah, I'm chairman, secretary, treasurer. Absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> I think Cahill Mannion always and forever for me should be eleven. It's very hard for me to not envisage him in a role, let's say, a TK role or Keen Lynch role, whereby they're given nearly a license to roam where they want to go. It seems like he's always limited to like the half-back line, picking up and feeding ball in. It's a bit one-dimensional for us at the moment, but I'd love to see him at 11 around that area, just picking and running. Because like, he's striking is so exemplary that if he gets a shot anywhere within 70 yards, uh, even from a static position, it's a point. So like, the likes of him should be in around that area, uh, and not back in or around half-back line, picking up loose ball and hitting down to a pack defence. Can I just throw a question? On, yeah, go on. Do we actually have seven games left? Is it eight or is it seven? Is it actually seven? Two, two preliminary two quarterfinals, two quarterfinals, two semifinals, and a final. That's seven. Seven, yeah. I thought we did. Yeah. We, we said eight, yeah. Do you know who the second is there, Skell? My wife. Huh? She just texts me there and says, it's only seven. Correct, <laughs> Skell, on that one. <laughs> Jesus, your stats are slipping. There you go. Shite, the, she's the, right. The, <laughs> The notepad has been compromised at this stage. Now, um, I couldn't believe, I have to say, I couldn't believe, Murph, when I heard that your, your good wife was from Tipperary. Yeah, oh. yeah. Nina. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, G10, I can't answer this, and I don't think the lads can either, because they were at the game, and I didn't have the TV turned up. I was in studio on the radio earlier today. I just saw the clip of this being talked about, and the fact that it was apparently something that was said off air and then was brought up on air, which to me is really weird. I think uh, if you're going to bring that up with a pundit, like if I was standing with the two lads and we were watching the game, I would say to both of you beforehand, I'm going to bring up something that we were talking about. There's no way mm. I would go, Jeez, did you hear what Murph said there, Scale, earlier on? I'm going to bring it up later on and say it was off the record. But apparently Jackie Terrell had mentioned Conor Whelan being a one-trick pony. So I've only seen the clip. I've not seen the actual um, context of the conversation. So maybe, look, if someone else wants to get involved in the chat, what that was about, I, I don't know, Scale, if you can call him a one-trick pony or what the suggestion would be. Does he just all power and going for points and goals? Like, that's a bad thing. Jeez, no, I don't think he's a one trick. Because, again, the more than the debate we had with, with about TJ and Joe last week, like, I have a whole different list of, of attributes or characteristics you're looking for in a player. And, like, Connor Whelan takes a hit with them. I, I, know, I know you might say, like, Tony Kelly, see, the trouble is, I don't think we're really truly comparing apples with apples here. If you're comparing Tony Kelly, like, he's a guy that bounces around everywhere. You know, the same as kind of a, a, a you know, Keenan type person where they're, they're, they find everywhere. But in terms of full forward line positioning and power to finish, like, Connor Whelan's up there right at the top. Like if you're, is, is, I think it's very, I, th- I think it's very hard to find a world where you, you can truly separate Owen Cody and Conor Whelan. 
So if you could say, like, Owen Cody is 20% better than Conor Whelan, I don't agree with that. I think the two of them are neck and neck for what they produce for the respective teams. So for him to say a one-trick pony, I think he's, he's wrong on that one. Yeah. Uh, Patrick here. Murphy, how do you rate Kilkenny for the All-Ireland now? Good chance of winning it or not? Well, they're in a great position um, from the point of view that they don't have that extra match. Like, regardless, whatever team came out of it today going into quarter, the qualifiers, playing Tipperary and playing Limerick now, that's, that's a tough one. And Scale said at the start, if you're to go that route and win an All-Ireland, it'll be one of the greatest All-Irelands to win because uh, that's a tough route to go through. And it's a tough route considering you, you lost your last match as well. Um, and, like, you know, one thing we haven't spoken about in the last two weeks really is Tipperary. Yeah, like... They have been going really well. Um, all bar their match against Wexford, they've been going really, really well. And they're a team that I think will heavily feature now, you know. Um, like And playing them, even if you get over them and you do win your match, it's going to take a lot out of you as a team. So let's say if Kilkenny now going into a semi-final, having the confidence of today, bringing a few more lads back on board, back from injury, and p- facing a potentially leggy team in the semi-final, it's a great place to be in to get to an All-Ireland final. And when it gets to an All-Ireland final, it's one game. You know, it goes back to that old cliche. It is one game at that stage. So, like, I'm really happy with Kenny Rat. Um, it was a great buzz there today. I'm just seeing this panel getting deeper. And like I was saying, once a few lads come back from injury, like, it's, you, you know, you'd have to be happy that if, if someone told you this is the stage Kenny would be at come this stage of the year, you'd be delighted. And I'm sure Skell would have said the same about Galway. You know, if Galway mm-hmm. came over today and had won the match, you'd be going, brilliant. We're actually now forget everything that went before we're in a great position here to have a tilted in All-Ireland final so yeah like I'm happy with Kenny at the moment absolutely yeah a few people saying as well again I didn't see the interview because I was working at the time but uh, apparently Tyrrell held his hands up at the end when he awarded uh, Conor Whelan man the match uh, for the way that he performed today as well so there you go I didn't see it I must go back and have a look I only saw the initial clip which was it being brought up that it was a all-fair comment and my first reaction was Jesus that seems like he's been uh, put out to dry a little bit here if he made a comment all-fair and it wasn't uh, brought up as a potential uh, discussion one G10 came back to clarify the comments doesn't think the wheeling is up this was by the way the, the comment on the TV uh, the wheeling is up with the very top forwards Galan, Horgan, Kelly and Reid I don't know, I, th- I think he's one of the the best in the country. Um, Jason here also saying he disagrees. I have to disagree with Claire Free at the end. TK was nowhere near the ball. Flanagan just fell to the ground. Claire all day were looking for handy freeze. And that seems to be the, the kind of back and forth that's going on there. Tom O'Hall's wondering, will the quarterfinals be double headers? I think not necessarily, but we did have double headers a few years ago at Semple Stadium. It wasn't one of the quarterfinals at like stupid o'clock last year. Claire and Wexford from memory was on really early it was like one o'clock in the afternoon one o'clock on Saturday from London yeah I hope that doesn't happen again was that Cork and Galway no Cork and Galway was part of a double header wasn't it wasn't Cork and Galway the second game yeah it could be open or were they on different days I have a sneaky feeling though weren't they both in Thurless on the one day and was there like was it maybe the was it maybe the was that the year maybe the Euros was on rather than last year or was it maybe it was two years ago was it two years ago when the Euros were on so they Throwing times were at really weird times. Not sure it had to be last year. So it was the late comeback. Last year, yeah. yeah, it was on really stupidly early anyway. That's my abiding memory of that one. But I would think with the teams involved, Semple Stadium double header has to be, it was a Saturday, yeah. And Cork Galway was before the Wexford Clare game. So hold on. So Cork and Galway was the early game and then Wexford and Clare was afterwards. I just remember the, the really early throwing because it was in work when it was going on. And I just kind of thought, surely put it on at a better time. Nice. Yeah, again, similarly, I think put put the two finals on different days if you possibly can. Um, I think it just makes far, far more sense. And 
just before we go, because like Sir River Power was saying, Sunday game is on. I have to love you and leave you, lads. You can always watch this back, by the way, if you're on YouTube, particularly log up uh, once it's processed afterwards and you can scrub back with the timestamps and everything and um, have a look back at the show. Or, of course, you can listen back on the podcast version. But I'm going to throw one that came in very early from Dante, which is an almost philosophical question, which you can have first, Murph. Could the lads talk a bit about the state of hurling? There's been a lot of talk over the past year that goals aren't being scored and all that. Are pundits being too reactionary? Now, there is always the risk, Murph, that we're too reactionary. where We've had two very entertaining games and loads of goals and chances today. And we go, that was a magnificent Sunday hurling that really lived up to the hype on provincial final day. But I don't know about you. I, I think hurling's in a pretty decent state at the moment. Absolutely, um, absolutely of, the, of that mindset. I think um, because we have so much to talk about with Hurling, there seems to be always a conversation on and I'd be always kind of quick to zoom out from the conversation and, and is the conversation more tweaking really small things? Like I think everybody's determined to tweak it so much that we get to this perfect game and oh, we're happy now, but it's never perfect. You know, you're never going to have the game absolutely 100% perfect. But like a few weeks ago, we were talking that people had complaints that there were so many scores that they want to make the ball heavier and all these sort of things. And you're there going, surely that's a great thing that we have so many scores in a game. You know, we have so much going on. Absolutely, there is things we need to improve on. But the general state of hurling at the moment, I think, is in a really good place. I think it's brilliant. You know, when you see some of the conversations around, not to be tr- not throwing shade at football or anything at the moment, but certainly there is conversation there in terms of people are talking about Roscommon and things at the moment, let's say, against Dublin. And was that match a spectacle? And really just more broad strokes, right, trying to get the game back to being a spectacle. When you look at Hurling at the moment, we still have that spectacle. You know, we still have it. And maybe it's the whole thing of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Absolutely implement things that would be important for safety and for different things in the game. But I think the game at the moment is in a really great place. And I do think at times we are quick to jump to we're in the middle of the league and it's like round three of the league and we have a round of dull matches and suddenly we're thinking it's, you know, end of the world stuff when it's not. It just happens sometimes and that's nature. When you look at today um, and you look at some of the games even in Munster as well, like it's, it's I think it's in a really good place at the moment. Um, and generally I'd be I'd be really happy with it. Hmm. Uh, here we go Darren give us info on the live show so I was told on Thursday definitely by this weekend you can give them the information on the live show and I was ready to go on this and then I was told that the graphics and the website the tickets and so on are going to take a few days more so I should be able to announce it at some point early next week but the long and the short of it is like without giving too much away here you already know that Joe Canning is going to be there it's the week of the All-Ireland Final I'm not even sure exactly what day it's going to be and our sponsors are Borgosh Energy. We are going to the Borgosh Theatre in Dublin for the roadshow. It's probably going to be one of the biggest GA roadshows that OTB have ever done. And hopefully, pretty much everyone, there's now about 400 odd people here, there's about 700 people earlier, will all, you know, pick up a ticket and come to the Borgosh. That has to be the hope. Tell a friend, bring four with you for the night as well. Because um, I think it's going to be really good, but I can't give you the exact details until I get all the information during the week. But that is the crack with the live show. I have people DM me as well going, you guys have been hinting at this and teasing at it. How come you're not telling us? And that's as much as I can tell you right now. It's going to be in the Borgosh, week of the All-Ireland final. Joe Canning is there. Skell is there. Murphy is there. God willing, I'll be there as well. And we'll have a few more guests. And it's going to be a really good fun night. It, the guests in the end may well be determined by who gets to the All-Ireland final. Um, I think we've already been promised one current player if they don't get to the final, but I have a sneaky feeling that team will actually get there. So uh, any final questions uh, before we finish up this way? Uh, William Doyle saying today's hurling would be a good way to show the world to promote what a great game it is. And I saw one other one, two other ones I want to throw at you before we finish. Uh, Jack Duggan here. Do you think the hurling championship starts too early, though? The middle of July feels too early for the championship to be finished. What do you think, Scott? 
I don't think there's enough games to be honest. I think I suppose mm. when you question hurling state at the moment, I think the actual game itself, the physical game, is in a super state. I think we'd always have topics of conversation around uh, calls, referee calls, you know, instance like that, which is grand because that, that's just a, an individual point of the game. But the game is, itself is healthy. Um, but I think there's, there's, there's definitely food for thought in, in terms of making the game healthier. And for that, for me, I think it's a, bit, a few more games. I think we the league itself. Truthfully speaking, I think the league is nearly, I won't say petered out, but it doesn't carry anywhere near the importance that it did in the past. So I'd love to see a, stru- a restructuring somehow whereby the championship is extended. Because I, I, it makes for grim reading that, you're right, Murph, uh, or Mrs. Murphy, should I say, Aideen, that there's seven games are, you know, seven <laughs> games left, only six weeks, uh, six weeks. And like that, that six weeks would fly because this is probably our, this is probably our 20th show, Will. Right now, uh, give or take, yeah, I think so. so that, that uh, I stopped weeks. putting numbers on them a while ago, but that twenty weeks, like it's just absolutely flown. So I'd love to see more games, uh, not 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 necessarily expanded out and have more more of a gap between games, just more physical games. Like because mm. today was a great spectacle. You'd love to have it again next week. You'd love to have it again in two weeks' time, etc. Um, which which uh, which would be good for the game. But I can't see a restructuring happening anytime soon because I'd say it's hard uh, to think back of a Munster Championship that has been as exciting. Or maybe that's true, you could say. But before that, like the, the most championship, I think, is, is at the absolute peak of its power. So I think if there was a question to restructure the championship as a whole, there'd be mass riots. There'd be, <laughs> there'd be like the Dutch farmers, there'd be tractors all over the streets. Munster would, or Dublin would shut down if they go to change the Munster championship. So I can't see a restructuring happening anytime soon. So I'd say, lads, we have what we have. Stick with it and just glorify it and move on. What do you reckon, Murph? Um, I agree with Scahill, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's like it, it just does feel like it's it, it's finishing very quickly. And I think maybe we're all still it's like we're jet lagged that we still are all built to feel that the All Ireland should be on in September. And because like, I was only thinking of it yesterday, like we wouldn't be at the Leinster semi final stage previous years. Like, go back ten years ago, I'd probably say it's right that we wouldn't be at the Leinster final stage right. at this time. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't be. Yeah, so it's. Um, I think we're still adjusting with that now at the moment. Um, I would like to see more games. That's the big thing. Like, is in what we've seen is really good. Like, just Kelly said, the Monster Championships have been absolutely excellent, and we seem to be producing something really good there. Um, but just having more games, and maybe it goes back to what we were saying: the likes of if we somehow saw it fit to make a larger group or two, two, two groups where you mix Kilkenny and Galway and Dublin Wexford all in across Munster as well and there's some way then that you can lengthen out the process and then we get more games And but if, if, if it is the GAA's will to have the split season and you still want to have it finished by the end of July or start of August well at least we've had more games within that time as well but um, it's a tough one it is a tough one to, to figure out well, what is the exact answer for that at the moment um, but it, it just feels like I, I can't believe that we're seven games left and it feels like we're really only hitting the stride now like you know so it's, mm. yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough place yeah, one last question before we go, coming from John S. Lads, what are great last puck goals? I'm thinking today, Jacob against Kilkenny in 2004. Can't remember too many other last puck goals. Plenty of late ones, but those ones that are full-time whistle on the puck out. Ballygunner, I'd say, if there's any Ballygunner Bally supporters Gunner. around to be pointing yeah. at winning in Ireland with the last ball just nestling into the net from Harry Ruddle. That yeah. has to be up there, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's that. Yeah, that was a brilliant one. In fairness, now, um, Adrian Mullins won against Cork in uh, twenty one, twenty one. To draw, yeah, like that yeah, was last game. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you going to sort ninety nine? Great one, yeah. <laughs> great one. Very apt with the week that's in it. There's an asterisk in that one too, lads. That's not Which? the real trouble. Man City. Oh, that's not the real oh, trouble. oh, right. I thought you were saying Man United. I was like, that's a random fucking dig out of nowhere. Yeah, the Man City <laughs> one is an asterisk. 
Ah, so it's not real. No, not real. Anyway, well, that's, that's some way. Didn't think the Hurling pod would be getting into the 150 <laughs> charges, which are currently <laughs> sitting over Man City, but here we are. Um, I think that pretty much brings us up to a wrap for tonight. Um, for anyone who is still uh, watching on our YouTube or on Facebook at the moment, it would help out massively if you could give the video a like, which will help to get it promoted up along the way. Uh, I think we'll go back to the old format next week as opposed to a live. These lives are kind of really special and it's nice to keep them as a special occasion after we've had uh, something like the really good games today. But I'm sure we can go live again after the quarterfinals in a couple of weeks' time. And then I'd say we'll go live after the semis and after the final as well. So all that to look forward to over the next few weeks. Uh, before we finish up, as well I uh, want to tell you about the winner of our competition this week because of course hurling is anyone's game off the ball teaming up with the senior hurling championship sponsors Borgosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has had on people's lives uh, this week the competition winner which is hosted by our good friends at Borgosh Energy is Rosie Fahey and her family Rosie is playing camogie with Whitegate in County Clare while her dad trains the under 20 Clare hurlers Rosie says she enjoys going along to all the games and cheering on the Banner County so congrats again Rosie who wins a goodie bag from Borgosh Energy and you can get involved every week on that uh, there's also loads of hurling content which is going to be there across the week on Off the Ball um, our good mate uh, at this stage I can call him Anthony Nash who has promised to come onto the podcast at some point is uh, putting out really good pods every Friday on OTB throughout the hurling season uh, I would implore you to go back even though the final is over and have a listen back to the podcast last week with Joe Quaid and with James O'Connor did you know Murph about Kieran Carey that he had no skin left on his feet after that point in 96 no, I didn't know that now. He wore rugby boots for the game, even Why though the he... ground was rock hard. Why did he wear oh, rugby boots? So apparently he, didn't, apparently he doesn't like mouldies. So he felt that he had to have long studs for grip and he wanted to have good grip going into the game. But it was one of those days, Whoa. if you ever watch back to YouTube, like the sun is baking the pitch. Mm. It's, you, know, you look at the pitch and it's kind of, uh, it's more yellow than green scale when you look down at it. And Kieran Carey was like bopping along for that winning point and he runs the ball up from effectively midfield, centre half back position, goes up, takes a shot and then runs gingerly back into position. Pretty much that whole time, his feet were blistering and the skin was coming off. Quaid was saying, as old school as it is back in 96, they both had a cigarette in the dressing room. They were the last two men in, as everyone else had pretty much left at that point. And it was only at that stage when he saw the blood coming through the socks when Kerry was peeling them off his feet. Um, sorry for the squeamish. He had to carry him into the, the shower. And the idea was he was trying to get any part of his feet onto the ground that wasn't already bloody or blistered at that stage. Oh, Jesus. That's different level stuff altogether. Yeah. It is. The other good story, not to give the entire interview away, it's well worth having listened to like an hour of uh, Quaid and Jamesy telling war stories from their rivalry in the mid-90s. Uh, the other one that was quite interesting was Claire, when Limerick were going for the All-Ireland Final, I think in that year in 96 as well, so obviously it was knockout championship, Claire played them in a challenge game, even at the point that Claire had gone back to their clubs at that stage as Limerick were getting ready for the All-Ireland Final. Apparently they got into a car and were told they were going to play a challenge game. Thought maybe this was going to be some underage team or some club team. And next thing it was their old rivals, Claire, who they played in a couple of provincial finals who were there to help them tune up for the All-Ireland Final. So a few really good, few really good war stories there. Um, you can look at James O'Connor and Tommy Welsh on our YouTuber in the podcast section of OTB if you want to listen back to the games from today as well. So all them really good. They are definitely worth a look back. Uh, carrying the point against Claire, adrenaline is a hell of a drug. It, it really seems to be. I don't think he realised until he got off the pitch. 
exactly how bad his feet were. It's one of those where I suppose you get off the pitch, don't even think about it. And next thing you're sitting beside Quaid having a cigarette going, yeah, this doesn't look good. So all that is well worth uh, having a look on OTB. Our hurling pods, not just the hurling pod itself, but all the hurling um, content has been flying, which I think has probably been a reflection of what we've been seeing on the pitch so far as well. Lads, it's been a pleasure as always to share the evening with you. We'll let you go off and... uh, watch the game Skell I'm particularly thankful of you making it back in such quick time entirely legally to join us on a tough day I was like Star Trek beam me up I was (laughs) (laughs) and Murph it's been an absolute pleasure having you along as well enjoy the latest O'Keefe success 75 up now for Kilkenny which is fair going yeah great one go and enjoy it good stuff lads we'll talk to you soon OTB's The Hurling Pod with Board Gosh Energy Hurling It's anyone's game.